Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network as we're going to be talking all things Chiefs and go across the National Football League. Plus, we will have your O'Connor Advisory Group pigskin pick them, picks against the spread, and our Tom Fullery Story of the Week, as always, before the end of the show. Joining me today is our coach on this show, Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. He is uh, filling in for Thomas Bridges, who is out uh, tonight and uh, holding down the fort. And we, we have him on our pick segment every week. Now you got the whole gauntlet of the whole show. How you doing, Bo? <laughs> I'm having a good time today. Thanks for having me. George, of course. Let me sit in here. I appreciate it. We'll just keep this warm for Thomas for next week. Yeah, and uh, – before we get too far, we, we definitely want to catch up with you. I mean, yeah. uh, you got things going on in O'Connor Advisory Group. We're calling football games on, on Friday nights on Uclick TV. Certainly staying busy and, and then joining us every Wednesday night on this show, too. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun joining you guys on Wednesday nights and doing this. And then you and I are having a blast. I think I'm having a blast Friday nights. I'm so glad you got me involved with that. It's been such a fun to get back in front of football and, and more than just be a spe- I've been a spectator for the last four seasons. My kid was in high school, so yeah. it's given me a little bit of that a um, little bit of Friday nights I want to kind of get back on that field a little bit, too. I've been hearing that from a few people in the last few weeks. Well, uh, I have gotten you from uh, being the spectator and not only joining me on Fridays, but this show, too. I mean, you're going to be taking my job in no time at this point. Uh, okay. I don't know about that one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got a, I got a business to run too. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> oh man, but uh, he's doing. We're having a great time. We've been seeing some great football this year uh, here in the state of Kansas, in particular that Lawrence Hyde team. We're going to see them play Free State in the City Showdown on Friday. Yep, uh, that's a special group right right there. I think so. It, it's you know it's really been spectacular. We've been able to call both the teams here in town, you know, here in Lawrence, and it was be able to spend time with both coaches and be able to see kind of behind the scenes what's going on, and then. Lawrence High is something special this season. You know, you don't see that very often. A team that just kind of it does everything well and really has a legit shot at a championship. I mean, they are right now the number one rated team in the state. They they play like they're the number one rated team in the state every week. They prepare like it. Uh, they are a fantastic team, well coached, and they've got a you know a, a once in a decade player at a running back position here, Devin Neal. Yeah, last year uh, I said that, hey, that's the best player I've seen all year. And people looked at me like, are you sure about that? I mean, he's just a junior. I said, no, no, no. Look at that kid, Devin Neal. I mean, he's got something special that you can't teach. Well, yeah, I mean, last season in, in, in high school ball here, you know, the little better team at Free State, and they had the big they had the big recruit in Turner Corcoran, who is a fantastic player. And you know, he was one of the top 50 players in the, in the country. And um, – but when you're looking at a left tackle versus a running back, it's a little different. Uh, Turner's great, and I think he's going to have a long career, uh, both in college and even after college. Devin, you never know with a running back, but he's a fantastic athlete. And just the explosiveness that's a little more easily seen at running back. Yeah. that That's what I mean when I say it's a once in a decade. It's because of the position as much as it is the player as well. I don't take anything away from a young man last year who I thought was – Absolutely fantastic. Probably the best football player I have seen in the time I've lived here in Lawrence. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, Devin, he's uh, headed to uh, KU next year, and Les Miles certainly needs him. And that's big for the not only to keep him here in town, but the in-state recruiting and everything that 
goes along with that. I mean, he's going to be huge for this Kansas program as a football player and a baseball player uh, going forward. I mean, that's a that's a huge ad for them, and uh, you know, th- that's the type of thing that that changes a program, bringing in a player of that caliber. Yeah, I think it's huge that you get the local player like that too. Again, you know, Coach Miles couldn't get uh, Turner with him being Turner Corcoran with him being already committed to Nebraska at the time Coach Miles with the job here. But I think it's important. I think it's important to get that best player in the city and to say, hey, if that guy – keep that young man here. When Coach Miles was at LSU, I know this being, an L, being a Louisiana guy, that was one of the things he did very well. They say, this is our state. We're not letting anybody else come in here and get the best players. And you can go down the laundry list of players that played for Coach Miles you know, that are now in the NFL – and Devin Neal kind of fits that mold. You know, super athletic, very smart, you know, a guy who works hard and prepares. I think it's a huge get for KU. It's a huge get for the football program. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen him play baseball personally, but people I know have said he's just as good, if not better, at baseball. You know, that's a huge thing for the KU baseball team. So I, I'm excited to see the Jayhawks have that in both programs yeah. and to get a dynamic player like that. Well, and you know, leading up to this KUK State game this weekend, we've seen a number of K State guys already come out publicly and say, you know, hey, I was down the street from KU and I didn't even get looked at. I yep. wasn't even recruited by the Jayhawks. And, and most of those guys were David Beatty era guys. But this has been an ongoing track record, an issue for KU of winning at home and, and winning the KC area. And one thing that you hear from folks is, well, you know, uh, you, you got to just get the best players. Well, you got to win at home first. Yeah. You got to get the best players within your own backyard and then go from there. KU has not been able to do that. Now you get a guy like Devin Neal. There's probably guys that now are saying, I want to go play with Devin Neal. I want to you know, make a difference. I want to stay at home. That's the type of thing this program needs especially in a year they're struggling. I mean, there's no secret about it. You just lost Puka Williams, and we'll talk about that later on. Um, I, I believe Puka's played his last game at KU, that that's over now. Um, this you know type of ad with Devin and the season that he's having, uh, this is the spark this program needs. You know, I've been here in Lawrence for almost 20 years now, and I've heard people say, well, you got to get a coach who can recruit in Texas – you know, they bring in Coach Miles and say, well, he's got to bring kids from Louisiana here. Um, and you do have to get some of those players when you're in Kansas. There just isn't that many legit D1 it's guys It's not a hotbed here. here. No. But you do have to get those kids who that are the best players in your state. And you've got to get them to stay home. That's a huge deal. And now these kids recruit themselves. They recruit each other. Yeah. So now Devin Neal is already committed to KU. Well, who's he talking to at the games he's playing now after the game and going, hey, you know, come on over to KU with me, you know? Um, there are kids that are going to do that, and they're going to help each other out. It's so important to lock down your state. to get You know, in Kansas, we don't have, you know, that many five-star rivals recruits. But it's not important. It's important to get that kid when he's here. Devin Neal's a four-star recruit. You better get him. KU or K-State, both better be, this is our guy, and get that. And that's something that KU hasn't done. You can talk about going back to Coach Beatty. You can go back 10, 12 years now. The best players in this state, if they stayed in state, they went down the, down the line to Manhattan. And, and now they're saying, some of those people are saying this week, 
you know, hey, we wish we'd have, we would have gotten to Lawrence. We would have liked to have gone to Lawrence. They weren't looking at us. I think that it's important, and I think it's important for uh, moving forward to not only get those out-of-state players, but to get the best players in the state you can get. No question. No question about that. We'll, uh, we'll talk some more Kansas football coming up uh, later on in the show. Uh, but where I want to start today in the National Football League with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, we, we talked about this on, on Tuesday's show of kind of reevaluating where the Chiefs are at right now. That 5-1 and one record where this team stands, 5-1 and one you'll take. I think most people anticipated this team would be 5-1 and one right now one way or the other. I don't think anybody thought it would be the Raiders that would be that one loss. But nonetheless, 5-1 and one seemed reasonable for the Chiefs to begin their 2020 campaign. And, you know, the positive things to start out with the Chiefs, obviously, is the offense is, is incredible and, you know, they kind of self-explanatory. Sammy Watkins, he'll be back in no time. That's all fine and dandy. Uh, there's not really much to say about that offense. Um, but what you can say is that this team is developing more ways to win. You go back to 2018 with this Chiefs offense, and they had to score 40 points every game because the defense demanded it. They weren't getting help. And you had to score, and you had to score quickly and had to keep things going. That was just what was asked of them. Now, with what they've seen of the defense coming along a year and a half in in the Steve Spagnuolo era, is that the Chiefs have realized, you know what, we can play more ball control football at times. You can run the football more. What was it, 46 rushing attempts against the Bills? That's never happened in the Andy Reid era. Over 250 yards, never happened in the Andy Reid era. These are things they can do now that they've never done before. And you go back to the Charger game the Texans game. They weren't pushing the football down the field. They were winning it with a short passing game and being effective in that way. So that, to me, you look at the great teams historically, the great teams have multiple ways that they can win. They're not one-dimensional. And the Chiefs, so far, although they haven't blown the doors off anybody, that they haven't put on a lightning display of some sorts, they're winning in multiple ways. When I look at the defense for the Chiefs, um, you know, the big issue back to that Raiders game was the way that they gave up so many big plays. That they let Derek Carr just tear them apart, um, throwing it deep and what he was able to do there. They tightened it up last week. Um, Josh Allen, great arm. We all know about it. it. Wasn't happening. I mean, he just simply was not getting the football down the field like he needs to in order to be effective. If you make Josh Allen throw it short, it's going to be a long day. He's not very accurate when it comes to keeping the ball in the short stuff there. So that was a big improvement. But now the next big step is the penalties and cleaning those things up and probably getting a few more turnovers too. At this point, it feels like with the caliber the Chiefs are at, we're nitpicking. They're still a great team, but there's just these little things here and there that could be the difference in them winning the AFC as opposed to winning the Super Bowl. It's just those little things that they have to clean up now. That's where I see this team is at at this point in time as they head into this game with Denver. Okay, so as a coach, I'll tell you a couple things I think here. Um, Please do. So two things that every coach wants to do. It doesn't matter if it was 30 years ago in football or today. Every coach wants to play defense and run the football. Yeah. you control the clock. 
and the clock is everything. Now, the Chiefs had this really high-powered offense, which is fantastic. I mean, just generational quarterback. And they have to figure out, well, are they the 1980s Dolphins or are they Peyton Manning's Colts? I'll tell you what I mean by that. I think they're more Peyton Manning's Colts. So defensively, Steve Spagnuolo, who I'm not a huge fan of because he had a really bad season with my Saints years ago. Worst defense in the league. Yes. Right? Yeah. But what he does do is he blitzes, and he brings it, and he brings it, and he brings it. And you got a front they've got, and they've got a couple of guys up front that they're going to get sacks. You're putting pressure on offenses to score a lot of points. Now, what the Chiefs do really well going into this week, let's set the Buffalo game aside for a moment, is Mahomes does not turn the ball over. He's accurate, and he's got a hell of a strong arm. But he's accurate. We saw the difference between him and Josh Allen this past week. Josh Allen's got just as good an arm as Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He can throw the ball just as far. But he's not accurate at all. No. So the defense, though, going back to that piece, the defense wants to get – the Chiefs want to get ahead – get two scores up, whether it's 10 points or 14 points, and then tell the defense, attack. We'll let you get one bias, like the Raiders did. We'll let you get that 75. You're going to get one, okay? You're going to hit one on us, whatever. But what we're going to do is more often than not, we're going to put you in third and 15. We're going to get that false start penalty. We're going to get that big sack. And we're going to put you now offensively against us in a position where you have to convert on third downs. And if you can't do that, you're kicking us the ball back, and we're going to come down and score. And so it was poured on, poured on, poured on. Difference between Mahomes and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning just as accurate, not as good an arm. I mean, just look at the length of it. But everything ran through Peyton, every part of the offense. And he does not have the – the breakaway Mahomes get the third and four, just scoot out of bounds, get the first down. That's where I like Mahomes better. Okay. Well, we saw this past week with the Chiefs running the football. If you recall last week in your pick segment, I said the thing I'm looking for in the Chiefs is can they start running the football? Look, I'm a huge, I'm a buyer. If I could buy stock in Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I'd buy every bit of it I could. Like it was Amazon. Because that guy, to me, can be the best running back in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs. He played like Amazon last week. And he is incredible. He could be, better than Priest Holmes, the best running back in the history of the franchise. So, get him the ball. Run the football a little bit more. Does that take The problem is it takes the ball out of your best player's hands in Mahomes. But when you're up a touchdown, 10, that game you're playing in the rain, you have to be able to run the football because you can't you can't expect any quarterback to be, you know, dead shot accurate. So running the football that showed me a lot of who they are, and I, it was kind of getting Andy Reid away from who Andy Reid is a little bit. But I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that they can sit back and run the football and say we'll run right at you. Well, and that's been a big complaint. You go back to the Philly days with Andy Reid is. My goodness, why is he not running the ball? Yeah. Why can he not run the football and call yeah. more run plays? Even when he's had the running backs, the Brian Westbrooks of the world and, and company. He had they Ricky were, Waters at the beginning of his you know, he when he at the beginning of his time in Philly as well. Right. And, refusing to run the football. And now Andy has shown some willingness to adapt. Yeah. 
and that's big. Yeah, and I think the other piece of it is as a, as an overall season. If you're the Chiefs and you go, okay, we are what five and one now. Yes. So five and one, you got through the first four games. Coaches tend to take that sixteen game season, they chop them up into four quarters, like four quarters of a game. And in their minds, either thinking we need to win three out of four. They want to win every week, but really and truly, three out of four is 12 wins. Yeah. You're in the playoffs, so you probably got a home game. If we can steal one quarter where we go four and oh, now we're 13 and three, we're probably going to get a home field advantage. So that's what these teams are thinking right now. So if you're a Chiefs fan and you're thinking, God, we lost to the Raiders, yeah, it sucks to lose to your rival. But at the same time, you're now sitting here. You've gone three and one the first quarter. You now you got your first win in the second quarter. Three and one every quarter this year is going to get you home playoffs, and it's going to get you home playoff games. It's going to get you home field advantage. Twelve and four is going to get you home field advantage most likely because the two best teams, along with you, are the Ravens and the Steelers. They're in the same division. Right. They're going to play twice. Uh, the next best team you're looking at would be I mean, Steelers. I'm thinking of the four, Titans. The Titans. You know, the Titans are probably going to drop a game because they can't go out and score. Uh, they're not going to be able to score 30. They're going to give up that the, the Buffalo game with them. Yeah. You know, last week. So that's what's going to happen to that team that just wants to run the football. So the Chiefs, to me, that's what makes them different than everybody else right now. Win three out of four. And if you're a Chiefs fan, make that your expectation. Say, hey, look, 12-4 and four is going to get us where we need to be. Yeah. I would say one one caveat to that, though, is with the changes in the playoff format now, only the one seed in each conference gets a bye week and home field advantage. Yeah. That's more important yeah. than it's ever been before to be well, that one seed. So here's my argument to that. So it doesn't really matter. Okay. And here's why it doesn't matter. One Even team, playing that extra game. Yeah, that extra game because – there have been teams that have been the wild card that have won the Super Bowl. The Giants did it a right. couple years with, with you know, Eli's team. Did but you're it. making yourself more susceptible. You this. are, but the the whole thing is getting in. Getting yeah. into the playoffs. And then from there, does anybody talk about in the Super Bowl whether the team won 14 games, 13 games, 12 or 11? No. No. It comes down to being the best team at that point of the season. Yeah. If you're 11-5... and five, and you're playing a 12-4 and four team, and you have to go to their house and play, you know what? Yeah, you could have done a little better. Maybe you would have got that home field, but it doesn't matter. You've still got to win the game. Sure, but I would to play devil's advocate to that, I would say that, okay, but if I play that extra game, what if in that extra game Clyde Edwards-Elaire went down, and all of a sudden that was the difference of that well, as opposed the, to if I if, got that one. If you're the Chiefs, you don't have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now you got Le'Veon Bell. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, um, but, yeah, I see your point, but that's the thing is that everybody also has injuries in the NFL. Sure. It's a 16-game season. Right. The only injury that hurts the Chiefs, just like most NFL teams, knock on wood, is if the, if the quarterback goes down. Right. Yeah. That's it. I mean, that's the only one. Everything else is a coach you can figure out. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, we've shot, um, uh, Sammy Watkins has already gotten hurt. You know, if Tyreek Hill got an ankle for a couple of weeks, whatever it might be. You lose anybody else, Kelsey, anyone. You lose them for a couple of weeks, you can make do for two weeks. Because, again, the whole thing is 
I want to win three out of four. We can't go to two out of four. We got to win three out of four. And in one quarter, we're going to sneak in there and be good enough to, with, a, with a top team and win all four of them. Yeah, that, that's the whole thing to me. That's the, the thing I'm thinking about is if I'm them. So for people who are thinking two weeks ago and thinking, well, God, we lost to Oakland. What is or not Oakland? Las Vegas now. Lost to the Raiders. You got to be thinking, well, okay, let that go. That's what the Chiefs just did. They let it go, and they realized, hey, we got to play Buffalo. We got to go on a Monday afternoon and play them. I think it shows that Andy Reid can be flexible. Yeah, and I think he's done so much better a job in Kansas City than he did in Philly. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's just, I, to me, it shows that he's flexible. He is. He's not just being inventive and running cool offenses. It's now looking at it saying, hey, we will line up and run the football right at you. Yeah. Um, we, we, we talked already uh, this week uh, on Monday's show about the addition of, of Le'Veon Bell and what that brings to Kansas City. But the depth chart came out, and Le'Veon Bell is the number two running back behind Clyde Edwards-Elair. He's passed COVID protocols. He's done all that. He should be good to go against Denver. What do you think he brings in the immediate impact? Do we see much of him, and does he play a whole lot against Denver here? Uh, what say you, Coach, uh, as far as when it comes right away to this Sunday? He probably won't play a lot this week. I can't imagine he's going to get a whole bunch of carries. What you're going to do is put him on the field, and I think what it's going to do is twofold. You put that many weapons on the field. You had Le'Veon Bell to a team with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Sammy Watkins is hurt right now, but I mean he's an incredible player too. It's too many things that a defense has to match up to. It's too many things that the defensive coordinator has to go, oh, man, we got to worry about that this week. I think what you'll see is there'll be some times where the Chiefs will put both Bell and uh, Le'Veon Bell and Allaire in the game. I don't think you'll see a lot of that this week, but you'll probably see it as you get further into the season where Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will line up in the slot. Yeah. And they're going to see, okay, is this a linebacker or a corner on him? And he's a hell of a receiver. And he yeah, he caught 50 balls the senior year at LSU. 50. That's a lot. Yeah. It's most than, that's more than most receivers. So I, I think they're going to do some things like that. I think that's part of what they're looking at. They're saying, well, we trust this back. And then Le'Veon Bell's style is different. His run style is different than a lot of players. Um, he's a player that doesn't go and get right up in a hole and, right. try to, and, try to, and try to jet through it. Instead, he wants to read it a little bit. Um, and I think that, that that's what's going to be big is that they can say, okay, it's second and five. That's not Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's part, uh, part. Let's give that ball to Le'Veon Bell because that carry could be a big play. Block it well up front. He gets 20 when Hilaire might get five or six. You'd be happy with the six, seven yards. Right. But Bell's good enough that he might break it for 20. He might break it for a touchdown. Last thing on the Chiefs, and then uh, we'll move on here. This game against Denver, we saw what Denver did last week. Surprised everybody winning against New England. Defense played good, holding them to 12 points. Uh, they scored 18 themselves. Uh, Drew Locke had two interceptions in that game. They've played some competitive games with Kansas City as of late, but haven't been able to quite get over that hump. I'm thinking in this game, Bo, that Denver can make this interesting 
they're going to put their best effort, as we've seen with these teams that the Chiefs have faced this year, where they're getting their best out of them. Ultimately, I think the Chiefs are too much. They're talking about possibly snow on Sunday there in Denver. Um, Denver could make this interesting, but I think ultimately is going to be too much in that second half. I think that the Chiefs are too much. I, I also don't think that you're going to be in a situation where the Broncos, if they get behind, are going to be able to turn that offense over to Drew Locke and say, go win us a game. He doesn't have that ability yet. No, and that that's where it goes back to what I was talking about earlier with their defense. If the Chiefs get ahead, whether they run the ball or throw the ball, however they get ahead, what you're going to see is that defense start to attack. You put it, you put the team in the obvious passing down, you're bringing Frank Clark. You're going to line him up at different spots inside, let him get after it. You know, a couple of blitzes here and there like Spagnolia likes to do. So that's what I expect to see. I expect the Chiefs to win and to win pretty big. I just think they're a more talented team, top to bottom. And again, in the NFL, you're expecting your quarterback to do so much. And Drew Locke just isn't that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not buying in Drew, Drew Locke like a lot of people are. I think he's okay, but yeah, I don't think he'll I ever be more than that. I don't think he's bad. And I think we're overall, there's thirty. There's 32 teams in the NFL. I think there's 15 that got a good quarterback. Yeah. 15, and, and that's not even 15 franchise quarterbacks. I mean, there may be 10 of those. Um, Drew Locke is a fair to middling quarterback. I mean, he's not bad. He's the kind of guy that, can help you win eight games if you got a good team around him. Maybe ten games if you got an exceptionally good team around him. I think he's him. Case Keenum 2.0. That's a really good comparison. That's a really good comparison, I think. And that's fine. Yeah. As long as he's not getting paid a whole lot, that's okay. Yeah. yeah as long as you're not sinking too much of your salary cap into a guy like that, yeah, I think you're right. So, there you have it. Chiefs and Broncos, 325 this Sunday from Mile high in Denver. All right, let's go around the NFL. We'll break down all these games coming up in just a moment. But first, the uh, big news out of Miami this week. The Dolphins have looked okay for being the Dolphins this season. Ryan Fitzpatrick has played fairly well. Uh, I was really impressed with what they did against the Niners. And and uh, they just got a win last week against the Jets. Shut out victory. And now he gets benched in favor of Tua. The uh, former Alabama quarterback, who we know they're, he's the future of their franchise. Um, but the goal for Miami at se- this season was not to win a whole lot of football games. It was to put themselves in a better position for the draft and go through that process. Fitzpatrick, I, I hate it for him because he's getting benched for playing too good. Well, I didn't thought of it that way. Um, I think it's... I think it's okay to go ahead and bring in Tua Tagovailoa. They're in first place in the AFC East right now. I, I think it's better. It's okay to bring him in. I do. I think that um, they are looking at the project. That's the youngest team in the NFL. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, their their roster is the youngest in the NFL. It's not about playoff. About draft seating. You know, trying to go higher in the draft necessarily. <clears throat> it is more about Tua and getting him some reps and some playing time, that first few weeks you don't want to play him. And the reason is let him see the speed of the game. But what is the actual drop-off in play between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa? The difference really is that you're putting a more athletic quarterback on the field, the future of your franchise, 
And in Fitzpatrick, they didn't sign him thinking he's going to play this many games. Yeah. You know, he's brought in to, you know, shepherd that team part of the way to get to it in there, to show him this is the speed of the game, rookie. And now it's his turn. It's Tua's turn. I don't disagree with the call at all. And um, the timing is just odd, I feel. They're going in a bye week, aren't they? They are, yes. That's part of it, too. Going yeah. in a bye week, you got two weeks to prepare for your first start. Um, I, I like Tua. He's a kid that um, I think is going to be – I don't know how great he's going to be, but he's accurate. He's got a solid arm. He's smart. He's got athletic ability. He checks a lot of boxes. And I think he's probably the second or third best quarterback from that draft. I mean, you could say you got Burrow, you got Herbert, you've got Tua. It's going to come and down to – Those other two have looked good. Yeah. Well, it's going to come down to fit. And I think Tua fits what the Dolphins are going to do. I like what the Dolphins do in this franchise. I think it's a good idea to go ahead and play him, especially going to a bye. I think it has more to do with the bye than anything else right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you look at them, they're 3-3. They're three and three. I said they were in first place. They're one game behind the Bills out of the AFC East. But they're certainly in position that they could win the division. But have that they, doesn't seem like the goal. Have they played the Bills yet? Uh, they have played the Bills once. It was week two. They lost 31-28. to 28. That's their part of it. Now you know you got to play them again. If you lose that game, then you're effectively two games back. Another another game back. So you're so one you back think, now. So let me ask you this. Are you giving up on the division race by putting in Tua? Not necessarily, but we talked about four games in a series for yeah. the Chiefs. The Dolphins can do the same thing. But their goal is to win three out of four two or three times. And if Tua can get him, maybe Tua can get him there. Maybe Tua gets you two wins all four quarters. Now, he doesn't get to play the first quarter. So that's already out. And you've won. Well, they, went four, they won uh, two of the first four? Yes. So you're already two and two. What does it hurt you? What does it hurt you? Um. They're not likely to win the playoffs. They to get to win the division. They know that already. Yeah. So why not? Because you're going to have to pass two. You're going to have to pass the Patriots too. Right. Because you're going to play the Patriots twice still. Right. And you already lost the Patriots once. Oh yeah. So you got to play one more time. So again, you're already basically a half game back of both those two teams in that way. So my thinking is, is that I think you go with the kid if you're ready. If he, if you think he's ready, go ahead and play him. What's it going to hurt? Yeah, I, I guess that's one way to look at it. Um, I, I feel for Fitzpatrick. I'm excited to see what, what Tua does, but, I mean, this is what Fitzpatrick signed up for. Um, we all thought at some point Josh Rosen was going to get a shot last year. That never happened. And so and I Fitzpatrick think, went actually way overtime, to be honest. I think that's a big reason why they're doing Tua, throwing Tua out there now is that they didn't really know what they had with Josh Rosen, and they had to let him go because they brought in Tua. So you got to know what you got. Yeah. And I think now the NFL is set up to where these young quarterbacks are going to come in and they've got to be able to play from the get-go because they are the franchise. Well, and you got to take advantage of their rookie contract. Yeah, exactly. You're never going to get that again. you got to win with it and build around it while those quarterbacks are cheap. With that being said, let's go ahead and look at the rest of the games around the league. Uh, Thursday night football, Giants taking on the Eagles. This game, uh, I'm not even going to watch. I'm going to watch the presidential debate. Uh, Philly's a four-and-a-half-point four favorite. If the Eagles don't win this game, they're in big trouble. Yes. Um, I don't know that any of those teams. 
so here's my thought is I heard that Eagles play the Cowboys week 17. That game is for the division. And will either of them have a winning record? I'm going to say no. I'm no going to way. say no, too. I think that the winner of the NFC East is going to have seven wins at best. And that's just trash. That just Those are huh. four franchises going in the wrong direction. The Eagles should be dominating that, fran- that, that whole the whole um, division. They're the most talented team. By far. Their and offensive line is awful. Their offensive line is horrible. And, and I'm not sure what is going on with Carson Wentz. Yeah. Um, we'll pick this game later. Steelers and the Titans, 5-0 and matchups uh, here between both these teams. Um, and uh, in the Steelers' case, coming off that win against the Browns, the Titans coming off that win against the Bills, not only are these teams 5-0, and they might be coming off playing their best games of the year at this point based on the way that they've played so far. Yeah, they're two old-school kind of teams, too. Coaches that want to play an old-school kind of game. You know, they're not going to go back there and fling it 40 times. They want to they want to run the football and play defense. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll talk about that more later. Lions taking on the Falcons. Falcons are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, this one, uh, I hope the Red Zone Channel doesn't tune to too often. Yes, so you giggled because you know my feelings. <laughs> you know that <laughs> I you like to elaborate? I, the, I am the person who I absolutely hate the Atlanta Falcons. They are my and you're the only person I know that hates them. Like I, Everyone I know is just indifferent about yes, the Falcons. Yes, I absolutely hate the Atlanta Falcons. I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. That's our rival. I dislike the Falcons and everything about them. Um, every Falcons fan I know is not really a Falcons fan. They're just someone that happened to live in Atlanta at some point <laughs> in their life. Um, no one's from Atlanta. Have you ever noticed that? No one, yeah. No one is from Atlanta. Um, so... Um, yeah, I'll be rooting for the Lions really hard in this game. Um, I'm also just not a big fan of Matt Ryan at all. These are not two. These are two really. These are two football teams that aren't very good at all. And the When's Falcons Patricia going to get fired. Hopefully sooner than later. He has <laughs> he has been awful. Yeah, and I don't really understand. I understand that he got the job because he was a Belichick guy. He did an incredible job as a defensive coordinator for a number of years. Until the playoff run of the year that he ends in, the Patriots had to outscore everybody. He gave up 28 points in the first half to the Falcons. <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't like the Falcons. I love that they lost that game. Uh, but you have Mac Patricia. I just think he's been a horrible head coach. Um, eventually, you have to put the shtick away of the beard and the gym shorts. <laughs> and eventually you have to shave. Uh, here's the other big fraud about him. See, he's got his little play card, right? Every coach has a play card. Yeah. I love it. I'm a, I'm a play card guy, too. And you laminate your play card. You can tell who the real guys are who put a couple of notes on there because they use a Sharpie. You see what Matt Patricia uses? He uses a pencil. A pencil. He? You can't write with a pencil on a damn play chart that's laminated. No, you can't do it. You're a fraud. You're a fraud. That. Uh, that in and of itself told me he's fraud. Oh, gosh. Uh, my, my hot take that I've said the last couple of weeks with the Lions is uh, that they have ruined all what could have been with Matt Stafford. Yes. Matt Stafford, you put him in New England, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yes. You put him on a number of franchises, we're talking about, wow, that the legend that is Matt Stafford. 
I feel bad for Matt Stafford. Decent guy. I don't know anything wrong about him. And, I mean, the Lions have just taken anything away from him having a noteworthy career. He is one of, like, four quarterbacks to have a 5,000 passing yard season. Ever. Ever. He is incredible. Um, if, if you don't have, you know, Patrick Mahomes or Drew Brees or uh, Tom Brady, you would love to have Matt Stafford. <laughs> And the Lions have pissed that guy's career away. The same way the Cincinnati Bengals are pissing Joe Burrow away already. That's a nice transition. The uh, Bengals taking on the Browns. The Browns are 4-2, and two, coming off that ugly loss to the Steelers last week. Bengals at 1-4-1. and one. Cleveland a three-point favorite on the road in Cincinnati. Uh, it is the second matchup of the year between these two teams, between Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield. Uh, since you mentioned Burrow and a Cincinnati, let's start there. Do you think they have enough to get by the Browns at home? No. No. Joe Joe Burrow's great. I, I, I'm biased. He, I'm an LSU guy. He's my guy. But I've said since the draft, the Cincinnati Bengals don't deserve Joe Burrow. I say it every week on Twitter at Coach Bo. <laughs> every week I say the Cincinnati Bengals do not deserve Joe Burrow. That's the worst-run organization, maybe not just in the NFL, but maybe in pro sports. They don't even have a scouting department. Really? They don't have a scouting department. I didn't department. know this. Yeah. They're just a, they're a family-owned franchise that won't even, buy, won't even allow someone to come in and sponsor their stadium because they got to keep Grandpa's name on the stadium. <laughs> and, and the other owners hate them for that. That's $20 million bucks a year to your franchise. If you're a little family-owned organization, you're missing out on some cash here. Come on, man. The Bengals are a horribly run franchise that don't deserve Joe Burrow. And, no, they're not going to win this game. Cleveland's is going to go out there and outscore. Plain and simple. <laughs> uh, a lot of Browns fans upset with uh, Baker Mayfield. Two picks last week. He was still recovering from the rib injury. Uh, what do you think of where Baker's at right now? I'm still a believer in Baker. I know I'm a Baker guy, but I, I think they have bigger issues than Baker Mayfield. So I think they may have too, and I think it's just been it's been different coach, different offensive coordinator every single year for for Baker Mayfield. Yeah, um, sometimes two coordinators in a year. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, that, I think that has kind of made Baker Mayfield's growth as a quarterback slowed these last two seasons. Yeah. And I think that that's a big deal. I'm not sold on where Baker Mayfield is as a quarterback yet. I, I'm not. I don't have a strong opinion. I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. I think he's kind of in the middle. I, and there's a number of guys in the middle that you go, well, I like him over him, or I like this guy over this guy. And, and it just depends on your offense, what you want to do. Baker Mayfield is 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 fine. But Baker Mayfield's not the not that dude. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and I think people get make fun of him because of the commercials and everything <laughs> else. And hey, but you know what? Get your money. Get all your money while you can. I'm not going to begrudge you that. He's not convinced me to buy Progressive or Hulu Live TV uh, by any means. That last uh, Hulu commercial's bad. <laughs> he wanted him and Saquon Barkley. The, the, I think the Progressive one where he's uh, covering the chairs because it's going to rain. That one made me laugh. Oh. Yeah, I do like the at-home with Baker Mayfield. I think those are funny. <laughs> Get your money, kid. Get your money. Get all the money. <laughs> Panthers and the Saints. Uh, what are you thinking about your boys uh, hosting Carolina? Seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Okay, so, uh, you know, I'm a hoot at. I'm a hoot at for life. 
I've been a hoot ass since we wore paper bags on our heads and said, Did you wear one? Yes, as a small child, I did at least once or twice. <laughs> um, you know, and I grew up, I grew up in a little town called Hammond, Louisiana, which is the home of Southeastern Louisiana University, which is where the Saints used to do their, their training camp. And as a boy, my father was a police officer. He was a Louisiana State Trooper. And when I was really young, he actually worked security at the Saints training camp. So I got to meet, you know, my hero as a small, small child was Archie Manning. It was like every kid in Louisiana. And so I actually got to meet him. I got to meet his kids back when they were young kids. Peyton Manning's my age. Um, so I've, I've met those guys. But we were little, little kids. They would recognize me from Adam. And I would recognize them if they weren't on TV all the time. But um, so I'm a hoot at for life. But I'm worried about the Saints. I'm really worried about the Saints. Carolina's doing a lot better than expected, too. So they brought in Joe Brady to be their offensive coordinator, which I thought meant the Panthers are going to go trade for Joe Burrow. Um, they didn't. I'm not a big believer in Teddy Bridgewater. I think Teddy Bridgewater is in that category. We talked about Baker Mayfield earlier. Yeah. He's kind of in that same area. If you were ranking 1 through 32 of quarterbacks, you know, 12 to 22 are pretty much interchangeable. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater cannot throw the ball down the field. He doesn't have to in that offense. I would be more scared this week in particular as a Saints fan, as, a, as I am a Saints fan, if Christian McCaffrey were in the game. But I'm scared for the Saints moving forward. Um, Drew Brees is washed. Washed. He cannot throw the ball across my backyard. I live in the suburbs, folks. I do not have a large backyard. <laughs> He cannot throw the ball from one end of my backyard to the other. Um, I can barely do it, but I'm 44, and my arm has long since been shot. Um, I really think the Saints are in trouble, and I don't know if they can get out of the division now. The Bucks seem to be doing better, and I'm worried. But I think this week they'll get the W against the Panthers. All right. Let's uh, let's move through a little quicker on uh, yeah. some of these other games. Uh, how bad are the Bills going to beat the Jets? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Jets are a train wreck. They, what is it? Remember the uh, – Buffalo's a 13-point favorite. So what was the line that they had on CNN after the presidential debate? It's a dumpster fire inside of a train wreck, inside of a, you know, three or four things like that. Yeah. That is the New York Jets. I want to be like Adam Gase uh, where I can be so bad at my job. They still keep me anyway. That's the job security I want. Yes. I mean, that guy has not been a good – Good coach there at all. You get shut out by Miami and you get to stick around? Yeah. How about that? Um, the Cowboys taking on the football team. I don't know if they even deserve being called the football team at this point. Um, <laughs> the game going to be played in D.C. Dallas, a one-point favorite. Can the Red Rifle get it done in, on the road? So, um, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, top to bottom, have the most talented team in their division. The Eagles are a better football team. The Washington football team is a dumpster fire. <laughs> the Giants are a dumpster fire. Um, this is one of those which team happens to fumble the ball twice kind of games. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not watching this game. I don't care about anybody. You know what I'm looking forward to? I'm looking forward to getting on Twitter if Washington wins and seeing what Stephen A. Smith comes up with to, to destroy the Cowboys again. I'm not a big Stephen A. fan, but I do love his trolling of Dallas. Uh, I'll give him that. Packers taking on the Texans. 
Packers are somehow only favored by three and a half this game in Houston. I imagine this is going to be a big bounce-back game for Rodgers and company after that disappointment they had in Tampa. Yeah, he's going to have a huge game, I imagine. Um, I'm one of those that buys in on Rodgers being one of the best quarterbacks of all time. and uh, just I He is not going to let what happened last week hold him down and let it happen again. I expect Aaron Rodgers to come out and just sling the ball all over the place, hand it to Aaron Jones, and they'll probably run it up on him. The Texans have looked much better since they moved on from Bill O'Brien. I don't think Romeo Cornell is that good of a coach, but I would say, Bo, that there's probably been some extra motivation from those players, just the happiness that O'Brien's gone, that probably yeah. there's some relief of sorts in that locker room. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Romeo's one of those guys that players love to play for. Yeah. Everywhere Romeo Cornell's ever been, players love him. And you can see why. He looks like the nutty professor on the sideline. <laughs> Um, I love Romeo. I, as a DC, love Romeo Cornell. Um, he's not here to try to take them to the Super Bowl. He's here to shepherd his team to the end of the season, get them a little bit better, keep the players happy so no one wants to mutiny, and get them through. And that's a, he's a good guy to do that. He got a nice win as in room against the Packers in Kansas City. So yeah. we'll see what they dial up this weekend. Seahawks and Cardinals will pick this game coming up later on. Uh, this is kind of the, the coming out party of sorts for Arizona, isn't it? If they win this game, they have the attention of the whole league. I agree. I think if Kyler Murray has a big game, and I think it's one of those that these, sometimes as a, as a quarterback, as a franchise you know, guy, you're looking for that signature win to get you and get you at that status. This could be the one for him. 49ers taking on the Patriots. We'll pick this game uh, later on. Cam Newton's got to have a big day for New England. He can't play like he did last week. Yes, Cam Newton has to get back to being what he was the first couple weeks of the season, or the Patriots are in real trouble. Jags taking on the Chargers. The Chargers are an eight-point favorite. Chargers at one and four. Jacksonville's at one and five. Um, I like what I've seen from Justin Herbert and, and that Chargers team. The, I, the term I've come up with for them and a couple other teams is they are a good-bad team. They've had several games that were within a touchdown that could have gone the other way here. I don't think their record indicates how good they've actually played. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think the Chargers are one of those teams where, going back to my theory of the four quarters of a season, they're not going to have enough of the three wins in the four quarters. Yeah. They're not going to have enough three and ones. Um, they're going to get two and twos almost every time. Um, Justin Herbert's got arm talent like crazy, and, and he's accurate. Not just big armed, he's accurate armed. And that's been an improvement. In junior year, his completion percentage was 58%. Yeah, so I, I'd like to see what's going to happen. I want to see where they get creative, not necessarily this season, but in the future with that team. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Bucks taking on the Raiders. That'll be a game we pick later. Bucks are a, a three-and-a-half-point favorite uh, traveling to Las Vegas. We, we talked about the – Big stage for the Cardinals against Seattle. The Raiders and, and the Bucks here, these two teams don't play on Sunday night very often. I, I imagine there's going to be more primetime games in the Bucks' future, but this is unforeseen territory for both these guys. Yeah, you know, you, this is a game that would have normally been a Monday night game. Yes. You know, John Gruden's going to play against his old team. Yeah, that's a Monday night kind of game. But you've got Tom Brady in the mix now. Uh, in Tampa, that still sounds weird to me. Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and you got Gruden. Gruden is the face of that Raider team. Uh, he's the face of any team he's at right now. Um, 
it'll be interesting. I think that'll be a fun game to watch. If nothing else, I want to see how red Chucky gets to that game. Right. Um, I love Darren Waller, too, by the way. I, do I would too. love a, to buy stock in Darren Waller if I could. Not only is he a, a great player, he's a great story. Yes. And he's a he is a John Gruden type of guy. And, you know, if you watched uh, Hard Knocks that year, they, they brought him in. He's a Gruden. I mean, he's a Gruden grinder. He, he is. He's a joker. He's one of those guys that Gruden picks those guys up and does something with them. Yeah. Bears and Rams and Monday Night Football, we're going to pick that game uh, later on. The Bears, I think that 5-1 and one record is a little foolish here. They can silence some critics if they could pull this one off on the road. I agree with you 100% on that. They get, this could be a big win for the Bears if they could pull it off. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, move on. I want to talk uh, some Big 12 football here uh, before we get to uh, Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network. And uh, looking at the... Big 12 slate this week, starting off with KU and K-State. You don't have Puka Williams. He's gone now. K-State, they don't have Skyler Thompson. He's gone now. He's uh, injured now for the rest of the season here. Will Howard, I think he's looked fine. I I don't have any reason to think that they're going to struggle with him at the quarterback position. He's been fine as a freshman quarterback. I wasn't a huge Skyler Thompson fan to begin with. Um that line's at 19 and a half. Put the mortgage on K-State. I mean, I'm telling you, I think this is going to be an ugly outing. KU has shown me nothing this year. It has been an, an embarrassment. It has been laughable, the product that KU's putting on the field every single week. And last week, they get off to a nice start, 10-0. Okay, all right. It was just a matter of how long until this evaporates, until West Virginia gets in this game. And then KU kind of pissed off a few betters uh, with that late touchdown from Puka. Uh, to uh, cover the spread there. But nonetheless, um, K-State, I, I think that Will Howard, he's not – the thing about him that's different compared to, let's say, that if he were in the other position, if he were to strap it in for KU and had to play quarterback, is he's not going to have to do a whole lot. And that's exactly where it, when K-State is at their best, whether it's from Kleiman, Snyder, whoever it may be. Don't ask the quarterback to do a whole lot. Let everybody do – uh, the rest of the work that hasn't changed from t- from Thompson to uh, to Will Howard here. Yeah, you're not going to ask the quarterback to do a lot. There's there's a team co- real team concept. It's a they really they call it a family concept here yeah. in Manhattan, and that's what they do. They recruit players that aren't your rivals four star five star guys. They find the right fit guys. Uh, the biggest difference in these two fran- these two franchises, two schools, these two programs is simply the quality of player right now. KU has got to do a better job of recruiting, plain and simple. They've got to get athletes in here. They've got to get guys who want to be Division One football players and not guys who were just trying to fill out, you know, the number of scholarships we have. The excuse that we keep hearing here in Lawrence and hearing about KU is, well, we're we're saddled with having less scholarships because of the last couple of eras of of um, of coaches. Look. It's time to get over that. It's time to go get players who can play football and do what you have to to get them here. And Les Miles knows how to do that. Yeah. Um, this COVID situation, actually, with all these guys not counting against eligibility, is going to help them tremendously as far as catching up to that 85 scholarship number. The problem is everybody gets that advantage. Yes. So, you know, you almost lose that catch-up of sorts if everybody gets that in that sense. So, Long ways to go for this Kansas team. 
I'm also thinking, Bo, you know, at the beginning of the year, I was looking at the schedule. I'm like, you should beat Coastal Carolina. Should. Then maybe you sneak out a Big 12 win or two. I was looking at, okay, they're about 2-8 and eight team. Now at this point, you lose Puka. I don't know where a win is there for KU right I was now. thinking the same thing. I was like, looking at their schedule, I said, okay, you just want to have an improvement. Win the Coastal game. From there, you're going to sneak one out. We don't know who that is. Everyone has a, a bad game. Maybe KU takes advantage of that and gets them a big win. You know, I don't see where that's coming from this season now. Look no. at this. I don't see anybody on their schedule and go, okay, that's the one they could get. You, you, If you're KU, you better hope it's this week against K-State. But I don't think it is. For uh, K-State, I know they're going forward Will Howard at the quarterback spot. They're 3-0 and in the Big 12, that one loss being week one against Arkansas State. Um, you have a two-game lead on Oklahoma, and you won the head-to-head. So, really, that's like a three-game lead. Um, Oklahoma State, you have a half-game lead on. Do you think that K-State can find themselves in the Big 12 title game? They could. They absolutely could. Uh, the, the big win against Oklahoma, and then Oklahoma blowing the game – you know they have two losses now. In it's Iowa State. It's Iowa State. Yeah, um, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do some work. I mean, you're gonna have to do some work. They still have games. They still play Iowa State and they still play Oklahoma State, don't they? Uh, yes. So you got to win both those. Mm-hmm. And Iowa State is in their exact same position as K State. Yeah. So I mean, it's that's those three. Two of those three teams are the teams that are going to be in. Uh, Oklahoma taking on TCU. The Sooners are a six and a half point favorite. I think that what we saw from Oklahoma against Texas, the way that Rattler played in that overtime of really coming alive, I think that's a season-shifting type of win. I think we're going to see a different Oklahoma team from here on out. That that offense has found their quarterback. They found their rhythm. I think they're going to be fine offensively. The defense has to play in the fourth quarter like they've played in the, third, in the first three quarters of games. That K-State game, the Iowa State game, the Texas game, the defense was great for three quarters and fell apart in the fourth playing that awful prevent defense. If OU could find a way to play four quarters of football on defense, I think OU, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of them winning out at this point. I think they should take care of business against TCU on the road. I think you're right. I think Oklahoma's a super talented team. Top to bottom. Top to bottom. You line up all the Big 12 teams. You say top to bottom, who has the best roster? It's Oklahoma. It's by far Oklahoma, and they might have the best coach. They're just in a season. This is the craziest college season of all time. COVID has changed everything with this. How teams prepare is being changed. I think we've seen that with Oklahoma. I think it's the other piece with Oklahoma also is that, damn it, they got to get in the defense. And I don't mean just in the conference. I mean, that's the difference between them, Oklahoma really ascending to being one of those top four or five programs consistently. You know, I was at the Oklahoma LSU game in the playoff, and I was up there looking, wait a minute, I thought these guys were highly rated recruits on defense. Right. What's the difference? What's not happening once they go get a four-star defensive end and a four-star corner? Why are they not out there playing like four-star guys? Development. And that's an Oklahoma issue right now on defense. I I think also – we mentioned with the Chiefs earlier that the Chiefs have found multiple ways to win, that they play ball control football at sometimes. 
I think Lincoln Riley, in his maturation process as a head coach, has got to realize you don't need to run a two-minute offense every single drive. It's not a bad idea to run the football and run the clock a bit until they can't figure it out. Oh, you will not be winning a national championship anytime soon. 100% agree with you. I just, I 100% agree. I mean, Oklahoma is. You can do the, that for three quarters. Absolutely. And Oklahoma is the class of the conference. They are the best program in the Big 12. They are what Clemson is in the ACC. And they should be in the playoff every single year. Because all you got to do is win your conference. Yeah. If you're if you're Oklahoma, you if you win the Big 12, you're going to get in the playoff. But your defense has been so poor these last couple of years. And right now, that's what's killing them. Yeah. Uh, Iowa State taking on Oklahoma State. We're going to pick this game coming up uh, later in the show. Both these teams, this is a, uh, a big prove-it game for, for both of them. Uh, desperate for this game. Iowa State has actually fared pretty well with Oklahoma State the last few seasons. Uh, you know, Brock Purdy, who's an NFL prospect, projected to be a first-round pick, he's won in Stillwater before. Brees Hall's having a big year there. I don't think there's a shocking outcome one way or the other here. No, we talked about a moment ago that there's three teams that are all, they're all ready to catch one another here, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and, and you can put K-State in there possibly. Um but these, those first two, Oklahoma State, Iowa, this game, that's a big one to me. That that's going to be the one who's in the driver's seat for the conference. Baylor and Texas, we'll pick this game uh, later on in the show. Sam Ellinger, he can't do it all. He's got to get some help there at UT. No, he's a hell of a quarterback. Um, I was on the Sam Ellinger train. I saw their, one of their games early last season. He, he's got skills, and he can go out there and score a lot of points. D, uh, Texas suffers from the same ailment Oklahoma suffers from, and that's we can't play defense. And uh, West Virginia taking on Texas Tech. Of course, the Mountaineers coming off that win against KU last week. Texas Tech's just been a hot mess. Um, this one, it's on ESPN, too. You might as well uh, not even bother turning on this game. I think West Virginia wins, but this one's not going to be nice for the eyes. Yeah, this is going to be an ugly, ugly game. <laughs> I agree. Uh, in, in the national landscape in college football this week, the big story is the return of the Big Ten Conference. Uh, we'll, we'll pick uh, the Michigan-Minnesota game later in the show. Uh, but you had Ohio State and Nebraska. Uh, that's going to be the big noon kickoff game on Fox. Uh, the Big Ten, I'm very curious how this league looks from the jump here. I mean, you're talking about that if a guy gets COVID, it's a mandatory 21 days out. Coaches are 10 days out. They don't have any bye weeks. There's really no room for error for the Big Ten to pull off this eight-game slate. Yeah, so the conference handcuffed these coaches completely. They've, they've handcuffed the program completely. You get one quarterback, one middle linebacker who makes your, who makes your defensive calls, one studded defensive end gets COVID, your season's over. One coach gets it, you're done. The Big Ten got back in here for one reason and one reason, well, two reasons. Two reasons. One, they want the money. But they're back in because they want Ohio State to get into the playoff. Yeah. They they did. Ohio State's put together the best team they've had in years, and the Big Ten wants the wants national championship so bad. They did it for Oklahoma, for me, for, for Ohio State. This has all been done for the Buckeyes. 
when you look at Ohio State's schedule, Nebraska, they should handle just fine. Penn State will be a tough game next week. I'll give you that. Yeah. But Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan State, they should be fine. And then Michigan, they've beat every year for how many years in a row now? Yeah. It all comes down to one game pretty much next week. Yeah. And that they've and you know what I think that they made that schedule. They did that on purpose. Absolutely. It was done to we're gonna give them the biggest cakewalk. Let's go ahead and throw Penn State in there, throw it in early in case there's a loss. We can come back and show we've blown everybody else out after that. Yeah. yeah, this this was all done for Ohio State. You can back up and say, well, it's also the cash component to it. But if the Big Ten had already missed the bus on playing this season, they should have just let the bus stay in the bus go down the street without them. <laughs> they should have gone back to bed. Um, we mentioned we got some games to pick later on in the show, but uh, any interesting storylines or anything you're following this weekend college football intrigues you you know the one that i this past week alabama nick saban strikes again uh you know i was we, our pick segment last week i picked georgia i picked georgia to cover but i thought georgia was going to win the game and nick saban has never lost to a previous assistant against him he's not losing to jeremy pruitt and he's not losing to jeremy pruitt and and I think it shows they're back. Yeah. I think Bama's back. I think you're looking at, we're going to see those two or three teams now, the team that Oklahoma should be. Now we're going to see the cream rise to the top. Here comes Clemson. Clemson's going to win the, going to win the ACC going away. Now we're going to see that Alabama is going to pull ahead in the SEC. Getting past Georgia was big for them. I think that's going to help them. They're going to get past LSU in a couple of weeks as well, unfortunately. So, I think we're going to see that kind of ascension from a couple of these teams. You know, Ohio State starting out their season now. They want to ascend there. I think we're seeing sort of a separation at the very top yeah. with two or three of those teams. You know, Alabama, then Clemson, and now Ohio State getting back on the field. We're going to see those teams move up. You know, two weeks ago in our pick segment, we were talking about how well, we really liked Florida. We really liked Georgia. They've come back down now with losses and losses they probably shouldn't have had. We're seeing that the cream's rising to the top. The better coach teams are coming up. Keep your eyes on that. Uh, one more college football note for you. I, I got to tell you, I am selling Notre Dame completely. Um, and and I feel like this goes without saying almost, but that number three ranking, don't be fooled, folks. Listen to the teams they've beaten that stretch. Louisville last week by five at home. Louisville's not a good team. Florida State, they beat by a couple touchdowns. USF, they beat 52 to nothing. And Duke, it wasn't pretty. They won 27 to 13. They're going to have an easy schedule. Pitt this week, Georgia Tech, they'll lose to Clemson, even though they get them at home. And then you take on Boston College, a road game with North Carolina and Syracuse and Wake. We could be looking at at the end of the year where Notre Dame is, oh, well, they only lost one game. Top 10 ranking, all looks nice, but um, go ahead and sell that stock now. Nothing has impressed me through those first four wins in that number three ranking. Yeah, we need we need Clemson to just whitewash them in that game. Please do. Please, Clemson, just beat the holy hell out of them so we don't have to hear this bullshit later about how good Notre Dame is and how good oh they were so close to Clemson and and, and as you get in the playoff it's the fourth team 
Now get out of here with that shit. <laughs> I am in the exact same boat with you on Notre Dame. They're they're going to be they're a fraud. They haven't played anybody. They're not going to play anybody other than Clemson. And they're I hope they lose to Clemson by thirty. <laughs> I just ooh. I want to pass them to lose to North Carolina. I'm not a buyer on North Carolina yet. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sold completely either. But I I think that they can hang with Notre Dame anyway. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean. I think Notre Dame's a better team than North Carolina, but they're not a team who should be even in the discussion for the college football playoff. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Bo, he's, he's going to stick around. He's going to join us for the second half of the show. But right now, Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network, he joins us next. We're talking Chiefs, and we'll go around the NFL with uh, Omar coming up on the other side. Stay with us on the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week from the NFL Network. He covers all things National Football League. It is Omar Ruiz who is back with us. This guy went from being a security guard at 49ers games to covering the league for the NFL Network, and he joins us right now. Omar, appreciate the time. What's going on, man? Tyler, good to hear from you, man. Bringing back those old-school memories. It was the 1997 season, Steve Mariucci's first year, and to be around... Steve Young and Jerry Rice, and 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 I remember them playing a Monday night football game when it was John Elway at his prime, and or not his prime, but when they would go on to win the Super Bowl with Terrell Davis and Steve Atwater, and man, those were some special, special days. And like you said, you know, now to be covering the league and standing on the sidelines in a different role, it is pretty cool. Oh, that is a heck of a story, Omar, and uh, I, I got to just out of curiosity, is there anything you learned from those days that translated over to this job you do now? Uh, just how much uh, the excitement and the juice of the game still motivates me, still fuels me. It's, uh, you know, I love doing studio shows, you know, and hosting and, and anchoring, but, but there's nothing like the juice of live competition being inside the stadium, you know, when, when 55, 60, 65,000 people are going crazy, and you're watching the best athletes in the world. It's an appreciation that I learned then, and it motivated me to get to the point that I have now, and I still feel that way um, when when we watch these NFL games as closely as we do. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. Omar, we got plenty to discuss. We'll go around the league in a bit, but first got to start with the uh, the hometown Kansas City Chiefs here, uh, sitting at 5-1, and one, coming off that win against the Bills on Monday afternoon. What's kind of your thoughts on uh, Kansas City right now? Well, I love Kansas City, Tyler, and this is a team that I've been saying hasn't nearly reached its full potential. Now, I'm not going to say that they're bored. I'm not going to say that there's a Super Bowl hangover. There's nothing like that. I just think it's just natural knowing how daunting the task is, having climbed that mountain last year, that they're going to need a lot of energy come November, December, January, and, and so they're figuring out, you know, how to maintain right now, how to grow as a team before they really click on all cylinders. And now you throw in somebody who we considered maybe three years ago the most potent weapon in all the National Football League added to their roster. And I'm not sure what Le'Veon Bell can give you nowadays, you know, in this high-level, high-pressure moment. Obviously, he hasn't had that opportunity uh, in a number of years um, to be in that position. But I'll tell you this. If there's anybody who's going to maximize what he does have to offer, it's Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and that Chiefs offensive coaching staff. So I think this is just uh, one chapter in the 2020 season of the Chiefs that will ultimately 
lead them back to Tampa and another chance to go back-to-back at the Super Bowl. That'd be something. And since you bring up Le'Veon Bell, let's start there. Uh, obviously, there's been some character issues, the way things ended with the Jets and the Pittsburgh Steelers before that. What about here in Kansas City? Do you think they can work this out? To me, Omar, the way I look at it is it seems like it's a low-risk, high-reward situation. Since he's getting the league minimum contract, if he does some damage of some sorts, if things aren't working out, then you could just move on with him and go back to what you started with originally. What say you? Do you think? Do you like the chance that the Chiefs are taking on Bell here? Oh, in a big way, I like it. In that, obviously, the NFL this particular season is in an extremely controlled environment. Essentially, they're asking players to be in a bubble when they're at home, and then obviously when they're in the facility, they're in a bubble. So there's not much room to go out and get in trouble. Not that Le'Veon Bell would get in trouble, but obviously you reference he did have a few moments when he was with the Steelers early in his career where that would be called into question. So you have that going for them this year. Secondly, there's never really an issue of Lev Bell inside the locker room amongst his, his teammates, his friends, the fellow players. You know, the stuff that he had obviously was with management, with the coaching staff there with New York, you know, the mismanagement of his skill set, uh, he felt um, that, that I don't think, you know, he'll, he'll have that sort of issue in Kansas City. And then obviously, um, you know, what he had going on in Pittsburgh was related to contract. And obviously that's been sorted out already before he signed. So whatever, whatever potential issues uh, there might have been with Le'Veon Bell, I think they've been sorted through. Andy Reid went on record saying that Brett Beach kind of goes through and turns over every rock in doing their due diligence and looking up players' histories and, and any potential sort of issues, they found that they had none with Le'Veon Bell. I think he'll fit right in to that culture they've built in Kansas City. And we've already seen Clyde edwards Lair, their first-round draft pick, uh, step up and play really well, in particular what he did on Monday night. Uh, what do you think of this one-two punch? Uh, do you think that uh, Bell can make uh, you know edwards Lair a, a better running back? How do you think they'll they'll work together? There's no question, and I think what you'll see from Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a fresher version of himself in December than he might have been uh, had there been no Le'Veon Bell. I think they'll be able to, you know, like you said, build off that one-two punch and have both uh, running backs ready to go and, and, and as well-rested as you can be heading down the stretch, stretch run of an NFL season. But, you know, as we've seen over the years, um, particularly in Kansas City last year on their way to the Super Bowl, that you know it takes multiple running backs to win in the NFL nowadays. And, uh, and the fact that they have somebody who so early in his career has proven that he can carry the load in a big way, and the nature of Patrick Mahomes and the weapons around him will allow you know, the running game to, to get free the way people are going to take their chances in the pass game. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes that, that you know, it's built for success, and, and I think they have two players who are more than capable of doing it now. Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network joining us here on, on uh, the Jones Report this week. Uh, Omar, you, you mentioned that the Chiefs haven't quite played to their potential yet. Do you, do you think they're holding something back of sorts there? It, it seems like... From my perspective, Omar, this team, if you ask them to score 40 points a game, they could, but it looks like that so far Andy Reid in 2020 has found multiple ways to win, uh, that they they have a few different options. They don't, aren't having to 
outscore teams in that sense. Is that kind of what you're you're seeing from this Chiefs team? That's a good way to put it in that, you know, real champions, teams that can dominate for years and years, learn how to win a variety of ways. And they've proven they could win a shootout. Uh, they've proven they can win low-scoring games. They've proven they can win when they're three scores behind. Uh, they've proven they can win when they rely on a running game. So, so yeah, I think, I think they're stretching their limits. They're testing what they're capable of. And I think when, when it's all said and done, they'll go back to the bread and butter of Patrick Mahomes, who I still feel is the best quarterback in the game right now. But there could come a time where either Patrick Mahomes has you know, an off game that an opposing defense just completely sells out to stop Patrick Mahomes, and you're going to have to figure out a different way to win ball games. And I think that's what the Chiefs are doing right now. And they, are, they have the luxury of being so talented that they can still have a 5-1 and record in doing so. Yeah, uh, they very well could. Uh, Omar, a couple more things on the Chiefs, uh, and then uh, we'll move on to the uh, rest of the league here. This matchup coming up against the uh, Broncos this weekend. Uh, how are you feeling about uh, that game come Sunday? It'll be interesting. I, I think the Broncos are, are a team that I think took a huge step by winning in New England, who had Cam Newton, Stephon Gilmore, all those big-name players that had been dealing with the COVID issue, were back in the lineup. And not only did Denver win, they won without scoring a touchdown. And sometimes, like we just mentioned with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you have to find ways to win in the NFL. And, and that's, that's a sign of an emerging team, maybe a tough team, a mentally focused team. And, and so for the fact that Denver is coming off that win, they're going to do so with a lot of confidence. Uh, obviously, they miss Cortland Sutton in a big way and, you know, real, real trigger man to that offense and everything they wanted to be from an explosive standpoint. But we've seen Tim Patrick step up. Jerry Judy at times uh, has been going. And, and if they can get Malvin Gordon back uh, this week uh, from be- dealing with that illness last week, then they have that one-two punch in, in the backfield back because Philip Lindsay returned last week. So uh, it could be an explosive game. And, and we saw how susceptible – uh, the Chiefs were last week, you know, to a, a balanced attack. Now, I'm not saying Drew Locke is as good as Derek Carr at this point, but he has the potential to maybe explode that way, at least for a, a one-off type of game. And so uh, a very dangerous game for the Chiefs upcoming. Yeah, uh, for sure. And uh, I think there was kind of a wake-up call of sorts with the Raiders a couple of weeks ago winning that divisional game. Now, another divisional game, you know, right here, uh, you, you can't sleep on those divisional opponents. I know the Chiefs went, what was it, since November of 2018 before they lost the divisional game, but uh, for, for these guys in the division and really everybody, Omar, I mean, the Chiefs are going to get their best shot. I, I would be surprised if the uh, Broncos don't put up a decent fight here come Sunday. Yeah, especially being at home and, and you know, like I said, getting some of their big names back. Lindsey was back last week. Gordon, you know, assuming nothing from a disciplinary standpoint comes down next week, should be back in the mix after he had that strep throat last week. So, you know, obviously with a young quarterback, you want to have a good running game and and that, you know, the Broncos should have uh, going into this one. But you mentioned it, it's it's the dominance of the Chiefs in the AFC West really has reshaped all of those teams. I mean, the Raiders, they decided to go with an offensive approach and reload with, Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller's an emerging star and Josh Jacobs and, you know, trying to build a team that can keep up with the Chiefs in the track meet. And then we saw 
maybe the Chargers go the other way and sort of build their defense with a number of superstars in the secondary that can try to slow down the Chiefs. And then similarly, I think the Broncos did a little bit of both in loading up, you know, with, with Jerry Judy and a young Drew Locke and, and still complimenting uh, Don Miller in the defense with a number of different weapons. So um, it's an interesting mix, but that 28-3 and record, their last 31 games in the division, has certainly got the rest of the division's attention, and they're doing something about it with how they draft and how they build their rosters. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Omar, let's uh, go around the National Football League. You'll be at the Bucks raiders game in Las Vegas. Uh, that game going to be on Sunday Night Football. Both these teams haven't really had this stage to uh, play on a Sunday night in uh, quite some time. Uh, I know Tom Brady has, uh, but you know, it, this is unfamiliar territory, it seems, for both these teams to be, uh, be playing this. What, what do you make of this matchup you'll be at uh, in Vegas on a Sunday? It's an interesting point, Tyler, because I was thinking the same thing in that there's a couple players on the Buccaneers roster, you know, and, and you can go beyond that even, but particularly Levante David, who's been one of the best linebackers in football since he's been in it, going back nine years or so. Mike Evans, he makes the Pro Bowl every year, but I don't think he gets his due in the same regard that Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins or even a Tyree Kill uh, gets. And Chris Godwin, you could say the same thing. He, he's a guy who would be a number one receiver on most rosters. There is the number two behind Mike Evans. But I think a lot of those type of players are going to start to get a lot more shine because of Tom Brady. Now, obviously, they're playing the Raiders on Sunday Night Football, but their next two games after that are going to be in prime time. They'll have a Monday nighter uh, in the week to follow and then another Sunday Night Football matchup, not to mention the Thursday nighter they previously had against the Bears. So some of those big-name players they've had will have a chance to become real stars alongside Tom Brady in their primetime matchups. And as for the Raiders, they showed out on that Monday night football opener at home against the Saints and won in a big way, and they'll look to do it again against Tom Brady and another NFC South team in the Buccaneers. And obviously the Raiders, uh, so familiar now with John Gruden's system, as complicated as it is, it might have taken a couple years before Derek Carr feels comfortable in it. He demonstrated that he did in Kansas City. He demonstrated uh, against the Saints and their dynamic defense. So it looks like they're on the right trajectory to at least compete for a playoff spot. Maybe not challenge the Chiefs for the division yet, but both the Buccaneers and the Raiders heading in the right directions. Uh, toward the postseason. Yeah. Um, what One example, Omar, what I like from this Raiders team is Darren Waller at the tight end spot. This, might, this guy's been phenomenal. Uh, the way that he played against the uh, Saints and the Chiefs seems a big reason why he had those victories there. This is a guy I think, Omar, is, is probably the third best tight end in the league. Uh, most people probably didn't know who Darren Waller was before this season began. I would agree with you. I mean, I, I think whenever you have somebody like Jason Witten, uh, who's in that room now with the Raiders, and he's playing here and there, but certainly um, his role is to you know be a support, a supportive tight end and complementary piece to Darren Waller at that position. And and whenever you have somebody like Jason Witten who says you know Darren Darren Waller does things I can only dream about doing, you know you're going uh, you're going in the right direction if you're Darren Waller because we know Jason Witten's going to go in the Hall of Fame one day and. What a prolific career he's had. So uh, Darren Waller has all the athletic talent in the world, 
had some demons early in his career that he seems to have vanquished. And now it's, you know, staying focused on the game, growing as a football player. And, and again, having Witten in that room to help him get there, I think we have only seen the beginning of what Darren Waller can accomplish. And certainly uh, one of those players that no matter who the Raiders are playing, he'll be a, a game plan focused. That's for sure. I know it's not a trip to Tampa, but uh, I believe this is John Gruden's first game against the Bucks since uh, he left there uh, several years ago. Well, that in itself should uh, should be fascinating. Yeah, it's the first matchup in history, Tyler, where a Super Bowl winning head coach will play against his former team with the team that he beat in that Super Bowl. So there's all kinds of different history going on. And of course you have Tom Brady and the tuck rule that uh, really set the Patriots dynasty in motion. That game of course was against John Grader, drunk John Gruden's Raiders. The first go round that essentially ended Gruden's career with the Raiders and initiated that trade that Al Davis pulled off to the Buccaneers. So you have all kinds of little ties there. And I think it's interesting, Tyler, that this same weekend that we're talking about all these connections between Gruden, the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, we're also talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers quarterback, going back to New England for the first time. So you have all sorts of different reunions happening this weekend. Another fascinating one in the NFL, like it always is. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned Tom Brady. His number so far this year, uh, he's 143 of uh 223, 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns, four picks. Uh, we, we saw Brady get off to you know an up-and-down start. He had those two picks in that opener against the Saints. What, what's kind of the feeling with, with Brady in this offense? Do you think they figured it out? Do you think Brady and company are headed in the right direction after that uh, Packers win last week, Omar? I think they're headed in the right direction, but I do still think they're a work in progress. And it makes me think of the 2013 season when Bruce Arians became a head coach for the first time in Arizona. Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson and Michael Floyd and the rest of those guys. They were three and four heading into week eight when they caught fire. And that's when they said they really felt comfortable with the offense. And they won seven of their next eight games and eventually finished the year at 10 and six and just missed the playoffs. I feel that the Buccaneers are getting to that same point of the season where all of a sudden that offense is just going to click. And the scary part, Tyler, is they're already averaging 31 points per game. They're standing four and two, first place in the NFC South. Chris Godwin has yet to really be 100%. We know how important he is to that offense. And so when you talk about the Buccaneers and their offense coming together, that is a scary proposition as we head toward the middle of the season, and potentially what could be a stretch run for the Buccaneers, trying to be the first team ever to play a home game in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, they're, they're, everything's looking good now. They're putting up big points. But, but, again, like we mentioned with the Chiefs, we see a team that I don't think has reached its full potential yet. Hmm. That's, uh, that's fascinating. Uh, Omar, uh, some of the other games, how about the uh, Steelers and the Titans? Somehow this game ended up at noon between two 5-0 and o teams. Uh, the, the Titans have just been something else the last couple weeks. Their offense has been phenomenal with Tannehill and uh, Henry. Meanwhile, for the Steelers, Big Ben looks good. Claypool has been incredible as a rookie wide receiver here. Uh, what do you make of this matchup? This one should be a lot of fun was one of those rescheduled COVID games and they were supposed to meet week four 
at undefeated 3-0 and against undefeated 3-0. and And both teams have managed now, uh, you know, three, four weeks later to remain undefeated. I love Tennessee's style of football. Their brand of football is one that seems to be of yesteryear. But it goes to show you, Tyler, you have a strong defense. You have a strong running game and a quarterback who can throw the ball accurately. And that's going to be a winning formula, whether it's 2020 or seemingly 1920. So I love how Tennessee plays football. And then same thing with the Steelers. Seems like they're, you know, they're led by their defense like they always have been. And I think that's the defense that is only getting better uh, as they learn to play together. And then you mentioned on offense, Big Ben Roethlisberger. I know we don't talk about him for the MVP that much, but I think when it's all said and done this year, he'll at least have his name in the conversation. And if they can figure out how to use Chase Claypool alongside Juju Smith-Schuster, which obviously they have in the early going of the year, they get James Conner loose. That can be an explosive offense to go along with their dynamic defense. So um, that is a team that I think has yet to play its best football, and, and here they stand 5-0. and So that is a titanic matchup, a pun very much intended there, between the Titans and the Steelers, and I can't wait for that. But given the fact that it is in the early window, we're going to have blockbusters all day long because we know in the afternoon window you have the Seahawks and Cardinals. That ought to shape up to be a good one. And then, of course, the Buccaneers and Raiders that we previously talked about should be fun as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, talk Seahawks and uh, Cardinals. I know that was a game you were interested in. Uh, two divisional teams there in the uh, NFC West. Uh, could be implications as far as this division goes. I know Seattle's 5-0, and but the Cardinals and the Rams are, are right on their toes here. I mean, every game is important in that division, it seems. Uh, uh, we, we could be talking about that division, maybe even sending all four teams to the postseason. Yeah, I'm very interested in this game because we've seen the Seahawks, you know, played you know, one dramatic game after the other this year. And, and really, it seems like this entire Russell Wilson era has just been, you know, so dramatically filled and comebacks and wild storylines. And that's been no different this year. Obviously, Russell Wilson has played, you know, some of his best football of his career, if not the best football of anyone in the NFL this year. And you look on the other side of the ball for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray coming off that 38-point performance where he only completed nine passes in Dallas. So, again, that's an offense that has room to grow and improve. And the Seahawks are historically uh, giving up a number of yards that we have yet to ever see in the NFL in the past game. They're giving up about 370 yards per game, which um, no team in NFL history has ever given up more than 320 yards per game in, in, through the air and make the playoffs. So uh, Seattle's defense is in uncharted waters. You put that together with the potential explosiveness of a Cardinals offense, still led by Larry Fitzgerald and now DeAndre Hopkins. We saw Kenyon Drake get loose on Monday Night Football. So that defense of Seattle going against this explosive offense, not to mention every game with Seattle being kind of wild and crazy, this one certainly has a look to be equally as dramatic like those Seahawks games typically are. Do you think Russell Wilson's the uh, MVP favorite right now, Omar? I think he is. I think, obviously, Josh Allen's uh, marquee has been lowered uh, a little bit in the NFL coming off those two losses, um, you know, most recently against the Chiefs. And so uh, I think Russell Wilson is the favorite. But, again, you know, Big Ben keeps producing the way he has. And, and I think Lamar, I mean, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes 
has yet to play his best football. And I think when it's all said and done, he'll, his name will be right there. And, and I, I would expect Aaron Rodgers to bounce back from that poor performance in Tampa and reemerge himself as an MVP candidate. But, but for right now, it is Russell Wilson play, playing at a historic clip uh, for the Seahawks. And, and he feels, I know he feels, he still has a lot of room for, to improve in his career. So I think we're just seeing the beginning of this Russell Wilson prime. A few more here for you. Uh, 49ers and Patriots, you mentioned it's uh, Garoppolo's first trip to New England uh, facing his old team. Niners are at 3-3. Three and three. Patriots are 2-3. and three. Patriots disappointed last week uh, in Cam Newton's return. Do, do you think it's a must-win game for both these teams, Omar? Well, I think it might be a little uh, you know, closer for a, a desperation call for New England at this point because – you know, they, they did get their health back, you know, last week, and, and they still stumbled out the gate. Now, granted, you know, this is a COVID world that we're living in. They didn't have much practice time, and, and we know how important practice is for Bill Belichick teams and, and the amount of improvement that they expect uh, to experience during those practices. And so, you know, we kind of, you know, give them a pass there. But um, the, the fact that they are two and three, under 500 for the first time, you know, at this point in the season since 2001, which is when Tom Brady took over and they eventually won the Super Bowl that year. Um, you know, I think if they were to fall in two and four, I think, you know, the, the calls for, you know, more desperation would only be added there in New England. So I think it's a bigger game for New England. The 49ers, I think, at this point have been given a pass completely because of the injuries. Uh, that they've had, you know, namely Nick Bosa and and uh, Debo Samuel started the year on the injury list. Richard Sherman still hasn't returned. So not only just the amount of injuries, but the caliber of the player that they've been missing and, and the fact that they're still 500 in that tough division. I think, you know, if they were to lose and fall to three and four, I think that's one that, you know, you, you wouldn't necessarily uh, hold your head that low. But uh, bigger game for New England, I would expect it to be a good game, though and New England to come out on top. On Monday Night Football, you got the Bears and the Rams. That game going to take place in Inglewood. Two of the best defensive players of the league, and Aaron Donald and Cleo Mack uh, going up head-to-head here. Bears at 5-1-1, Rams at 4-2. and two. That should be a lot of fun. Some good defense uh, expected on Monday. Yeah, I think this is one of those games where we're going to find out what's really going on with the Bears because you can argue that, you know, they – in retrospect, you know, maybe their schedule has been a little bit easier than, than we might have suspected, you know, given those five wins. But I think the Rams are a team that, that forced you to play well on both sides of the ball. And so the, I think the Bears are going to have to get their offense together. Obviously, they've been talking about it now with Nick Foles being the starter for three games now and, and Matt Nagy having a chance to really dive in with Foles and, and get a feel for what that offense wants to be. But it's a matter of doing it. And obviously, when Aaron Donald's chasing you around the field, uh, it's a little different circumstance than maybe playing Carolina. So, uh, you know, Monday night football, the prime time, the lights are going to be out. I would expect Hello Mack to show up the way he did on prime time on Thursday night football against Tom Brady a couple weeks ago. And we know Tyler Aaron Donald always shows up. So uh, that one should be a blockbuster as well. No doubt about it. Uh, Omar, you mentioned that you think the Chiefs are still the team to beat in the AFC. Who do you think is the team to beat in the NFC right now? Well, if you had asked me before last weekend, I, I might have said the Rams, but but at this point, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers, and I'll tell you why. Uh, we mentioned offensively how 
you know, they, there's still room to grow. Bruce Arians team is going to come together and Tom Brady will only get more comfortable with his weapons around him as they return to health and, and he develops more chemistry with him. But, but you look on the other side of the ball, they have the number one ranked defense. And what's the old ad, Tyler? You got to be able to run the football and you got to be able to stop the run in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They have Ronald Jones that could run the football. They have Leonard Fournette that could run the football. They're also ranked number one in stopping the run. So you look at that defense, hearing from some players today, they feel that they have a lot of room for improvement as well. And they're already among the league leaders in sacks and uh, third down rate. And across the board, Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator, uh, you know, former Jets head coach, really has them playing at a high level, and they'll only get better. So given that, uh, we know what they're going to get offensively with Tom Brady down the stretch. That defense is only going to get better, and it's already ranked number one. So that said, I would consider Tampa to be the favorite in the NFC. All right. All right. Uh, a couple more things, and we'll let you run, Omar. Uh, i, I got to ask you, uh, as the former security guy that what you once were, I would think that you probably have an appreciation for some of these stadiums, these newer stadiums. I, I, I know you live in L.A., and, and you're going to this new Vegas stadium this weekend. What are these new stadiums like to see firsthand uh, in, in all their glory, man? Well, Tyler, I love my job. I really do, and I appreciate you know the, the, the job I'm able to do, but these new stadiums maybe you want to just go as a fan and just have a good time <laughs> because they are catered to uh, to having a, a good time, to be a party atmosphere, and and to really, I don't want to say football, you know, the, the secondary point, of course it's very much, you know, a focus of the stadium, but, but these uh, new venues are really, you know, a source of entertainment and and with the LA stadium we've seen that you know it's going to be a focal point of the olympics when the when, when the olympics come here in 2028 and it's going to host the national championship game in football in a couple of years it'll eventually host final fours in basketball uh so you know it, it is you know a, a world headquarters for sports and for entertainment and same thing in vegas they really did an outstanding job there they've really combined the artistry of vegas the style the the you know, the Rat Pack and, and all the history that's involved there with, with Las Vegas and the history of the Raiders, you know, which is noteworthy as well, uh, given all their characters who have put on that uniform. So they've combined those two feelings there at, at that new stadium. So um, they're certainly fascinatingly beautiful with the architecture that we've seen, but they also have a lot of character to them, one that will lend itself once, you know, we can get fully loaded with the fans back in the action. I think everyone will appreciate them for being what they are, which is, you know, big-time spots for entertainment. Oh, I love that the Chiefs have road trips to those stadiums every year, too. Uh, That is going to be a great annual trip of sorts to to go to either one of those each year. I'm definitely excited about that uh, with the Chargers and the uh, Raiders there. Last question. Uh, I'll watch you on NFL Network and you know some of the, the other folks over there, whether it's Steve Weiss or Jane or whoever, and, and every time I see you guys, I can't help but think, man, uh, how do you not touch the microphone? I mean, that takes a lot of discipline with these COVID protocols you guys got right now. Well, it allows me, you know, someone who loves to talk with his hands, to let my hands free, <laughs> baby. They've been liberated. So now I'm just, you know, freewheeling with those hands and, <laughs> and uh, being as animated as possible. And, and, and the NFL has, has done a great job and, and all of our supervisors and, and putting up 
you know, those mic stands and the crews that we work with to make sure everybody is safe, safe because, you know, as the players, you know, are operating in these strict protocols to try to make it happen, we feel it's our responsibility too, you know, to, to be safe and make sure that, that the show goes on and we can provide some sort of entertainment for the fans and, and make sure that, you know, football is still part of people's lives. Cause you know, Tyler, as we've been talking, you know, throughout this pandemic that, uh, you know, if we can provide a little bit of positivity out there for everybody, it's it's a win-win. So, um, yeah, so I'm thankful we're able to do it, and uh, and my hands are thankful as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Omar, appreciate the time, man, and uh, best of luck the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll be talking again uh, sometime soon, and uh, thanks for joining us. Where can people see all your uh, great work, man, and follow you? All right, well, we'll be on uh, NFL Now on Fridays, which is that uh, – Noon to 2 Central Time. I'll be on Good Morning Football Weekend uh, this weekend, which is uh, 8 o'clock to 11 o'clock Central Time. And, of course, uh, you know, we'll have all the coverage on uh, Sunday morning starting on NFL Game Day morning uh, beginning at 8 a.m. Central Time. So uh, all throughout the weekend, NFL Network, stay tuned. we got it all covered for you. Awesome stuff. Omar, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, man. All right, Tyler. Talk to you next time. Big thanks to Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones back here with you now as it is time for this week's edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group Pigskin Pick'em. And Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor, is back here with me now as well. Bo, uh, before we get started too much on this, uh, what's going on these days at O'Connor Advisory Group? Hey, it's uh, We're in October now. Can you believe we're in October? We're already almost done with it. I know, and, and we're getting ready for November. Um, hey, coming up, this is a great time of year to be reviewing your investments, whether it's your, you know, what's happened this year, been up, down, sideways, silly, you don't even know what's going on. It's a great time of year. We've got lots of time. We can chat with you about your investments. Make sure you're doing the right things for you. I'll give you a second set of eyes, I like to say, and we can definitely give you a hand with that. And it's also a great time to review your insurance, everything from life insurance to disability if you're sick or hurt, you can't work, you need to replace that income, we can help you with that as well. So different things we can do for you there. It's a great time to take a look at things and to say, hey, where am I going and what am I doing? We want to be a part of that with you. That's fantastic. And where can people reach out to you? Uh, you can reach out to us, uh, O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook. It's O-Apostrophe, C-O-N-N-O-R, Advisory Group on Facebook. Or you can give me a call at 785-856-0720. We appreciate it. That's 856-0720, to schedule an appointment today. Uh, Bo, let's review the standings before we get started here. And last week, you went 5-5. Five and five. Not bad. You're right at average. That gives you a 29-28-3 record overall. You're not last. That's important. Uh, currently, yours truly, I am uh, I'm okay. I'm 32-25-3, about 56%. And I was 6-4 and four last week. I haven't had a week better than 7-3. and three. I haven't had a week worse than 5-5. Five and five. So... I'm above average. I'm like the guy that he could date the cute girl, but he's not getting the smoke show. So that's where I'm at right now, uh, Bo, and all this, which you know, the main thing is we're above 500. Well, I'll take that. Yeah, I'm a game above, I think you said. So I'm like even Steven over here. <laughs> so we got a tough slate this week. Yeah. Uh, this is a gauntlet ahead of us. Uh, it, we, we could 
take a beating this week based on how tough this is. And it all starts in the college football side with number 17, Iowa State, taking on number 6, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Number 18, Michigan, taking on number 21, Minnesota. Michigan, a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Number 9, Cincinnati, squares off with number 16, SMU. Cincinnati ranked in the top 10, but it's SMU that's favored by two-and-a-half. NC State, 23rd in the land, taking on number 14, North Carolina. The Tar Heels at home are a 17-point favorite. Last college game is Baylor and Texas. The Horns are an 8.5-point favorite. Meanwhile, in the NFL, it's a battle of two undefeated teams, the Steelers and the Titans. The Titans are a a 1.5-point favorite at home. The Seahawks take out the Cardinals, and the Seahawks are an 8-point or a a 3.5-point favorite on the road. Bears and Rams on Monday Night Football. The Rams, 5.5-point favorite. Bucks and Raiders. That game on Sunday Night Football, it's John Gruden's first game against his old team. The Bucks are a three-point favorite on the road. And then the 49ers taking on the Patriots. The Patriots are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So let's go ahead and get started with the college slate. First game up is number 17, Iowa State, against number 6, Oklahoma State. The Pokes are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So here's what I was thinking about this game, Coach Paul, is that if these two teams were to meet up Last week, right after they had, you know, a tough game for both teams the previous week, uh, I guess not in the case of Oklahoma State, they played Kansas, but a, but a game and not much time to get ready for the next one. This case, they've each had buys. Um, I think for Oklahoma State, this sets up perfectly that they get they get Iowa State exactly where they want them in the sense of you've had two weeks off. You get your quarterback back in uh, Spencer Sanders this week. Um, you're at home. There's just no reason that Oklahoma State should lose this game. I think these two teams are pretty close on paper. I'm going to go with Oklahoma State to win this game. If it was, if you didn't have the two weeks off, Spencer Sanders wasn't coming back, I might take Iowa State here. But everything just seems to set up well for OSU. i got to go with the Pokes. Okay, so this was all these games are tough this week. There's literally no game where I was like, Ooh, that's the game. Um, this one I went back and forth on. I don't disagree with you. Um, but I have a question. First off, why is Oklahoma State number six in the country? Um, I, you, <laughs> Who have they played? They've exactly, it's exactly what I wrote. Who have they played? Um, Congrats on beating Kansas and Tulsa. Yes. Now, we know that OSU has a new quarterback. You know, the old quarterback's back in. He's, he was injured. Um, you know, OSU hasn't scored... Oklahoma State hasn't scored 30 points in a game except against KU, which, I mean, honestly, Lawrence High School can score 30 games, 30 <laughs> against KU right now. Um, Devin Neal would be the best running back. <laughs> he might KU be the best player right in the game. Uh, so uh, we look at that. Iowa State, uh, only loss is to Louisiana, who you may not know, but Louisiana used to be Louisiana Lafayette. They're very good. They just lost the game. Uh, this past week, they had their first loss. ISU's averaging 29.8 points a game. OSU, Oklahoma State's got to score 30. They've got to score 30 points to win the game. I think Oklahoma State's going to win the game. I think it's going to be one of those 31-28 kind of games. I think the hook's the gimmick here. I'm going to take Iowa State plus the three and a half. I think this is a fill goal game. It could go either way. I don't disagree with your thinking. Right, but I'm taking Iowa State. Plus, plus this is the, this is the game that frustrates betters. Oh yeah, um, knowing that Oklahoma State should win this game, 
and they very well probably will. But there's a very good chance for Iowa State to still keep it within that margin uh, as far as that goes. I like Oklahoma State to win by touchdown. I'm thinking like – I like the 31 idea. Like you said, I'm thinking like 31-24, yeah. somewhere around there. And you could be right. I mean, it's somewhere in that 30 area. It'll be close no matter what. Yeah, Iowa State scored 30 in every game. Yeah. So And they've played, they've played tougher competition than Oklahoma State has so far. So that, to me, gives me the advantage, I'm thinking, for, for Iowa State. Number 18, Michigan, taking on number 21, Minnesota. Big 10 play opening up this week. This is the Saturday night football game on ABC. Michigan, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The game is in Minneapolis. We haven't seen either one of these teams this year. I don't really know what to make of this game. Uh, you just hit it right there. So if you're going to bet on this game, you are a sucker. Uh, <laughs> let me explain why. We don't know anything about either of these teams. Now, we know that... Minnesota's returning Tanner Morgan at quarterback. He's a junior. He's a starter last year. You know, we know the coaching staffs from both these two teams. You know, Michigan's got a new quarterback. The only way, in my view, you can bet this game is to take Minnesota on the money line and just say, well, maybe they'll win the game. Yeah. I'm taking Minnesota plus the three. Um, if I were ever going to lay a bet here, it'd be on Minnesota. Part of it is I love P.J. Fleck, what he's doing at Minnesota. You know, they went ten and two last year. They've beaten everybody. I think that they're a better, better coach team than Jim Harbaugh's Michigan teams, and a new quarterback in Michigan probably going to have a little bit of uh, nervousness in there. A night game at Minnesota should be pretty good. Should be very cold too. Yeah, so I'll take Minnesota. Uh, that's another thing that for these Big Ten teams that are starting in mid-October here, you don't have that September warm-up period of sorts. Yeah, I mean they're going right to the coldness, uh, which should be an adjustment to start a season that way. Um, you know, I don't know about this game. I don't feel confident one way or the other. My philosophy has been, when in doubt, go with the favorite. So I'll go Michigan here, but I don't say that with any confidence whatsoever uh, with Michigan favored at a three and a half. Uh, so we'll split on uh, that game there. So far, we split two for two at this point. Number nine, Cincinnati taking on number 16, SMU. The Mustangs, a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home, despite Cincinnati being the number nine team in the country. I mean, look, let's face it. Cincinnati's not the ninth-best team in college football. SMU is not the 16th-best team in college football either. Um, Looking at this matchup, I like what I've seen from Cincinnati to this point. Um, You know, they've looked decent. Haven't seen a whole lot of SMU, to be honest with you. Um, But I'll go ahead and take... Cincinnati on the road to cover two and a half. I like to, them to win this game straight up. I do too. I like to stay straight up as well. Uh, plus two and a half is a little bit of something that will help me cover anything but a field goal. And uh, what I like is uh, here's what I got on SMU. SMU had to go to OT last week to beat Tulane. This isn't your dad's Tulane that was really, really bad. They're actually pretty good this season. But, Willie Fritz is a good coach. Yeah, and they've got a good little program that – but SMU's given up 170 rushing yards per game. Cincinnati is averaging 178 yards a game in rushing. They have a good defense. They only allow 12 points a game right now going into this game. Give me the team that can run the ball and play defense when I don't. When you don't know. Give me Cincinnati. Okay, so we agree there. Uh, number 23, NC State taking on number 14, North Carolina. North Carolina, a 17-point favorite at home. Sam Howell, his name's been brought up in the Heisman conversation. 
Uh, the sophomore quarterback had a really good freshman year. He's off to a good start to his sophomore season. NC State and North Carolina, both these teams with just one loss this season. Um, you know, I, I looked at this game, and the records don't tell the whole story. I think North Carolina is a significantly better team than NC State is. I was hesitant at first to go with NC State to cover 17. The more I looked into this, I'm like, yeah, NC State, I think, should be just fine in this. I'm buying the Sam Howell hype. I'm going with uh, North Carolina to cover 17. What say you, Bo? Okay, so uh, I don't know how Sam Howell, how is Sam Howell <laughs> a Heisman candidate? Um, they're not that good, plain and simple. Uh, UNC is not 17 points better than anybody except for Syracuse, who they beat earlier in the year by that. I expect a high-scoring game both ways. And when you have a high-scoring game, 17 points is way too many. I'll take NC State plus the 17. Okay. So we disagree on that one there. Uh, how about this? Uh, Baylor taking on Texas. The Horns, eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Must-win game for both these teams to stay alive in the Big 12 race. Texas uh, and, and Baylor both coming off uh, bye weeks. Baylor was supposed to play last week against Oklahoma State, but they had some COVID issues. Texas, uh, a scheduled bye week after the four-overtime loss to Oklahoma. The game is in Austin. Texas favored eight and a half. Bo, what say you? Who is Baylor? Uh, great question. I don't know anything about – I mean, what do we know about Baylor? Charlie they, Brewer's back as a senior quarterback. We know they lost a two-overtime game to West Virginia. Is West Virginia any good? No. They beat KU. Congrats. Congrats. We don't know anything about Baylor. They played, KU covered that game, too. Yeah. Um, we don't know anything about Baylor. Like, I love Dave Aranda. I mean, I'm an LSU guy. He's who he was our your DC for the national championship team. Um, I just don't know enough about Baylor. Now, having said that, I have watched Texas a couple times this year. And um, can Texas stop anybody? They can't stop a nosebleed. Not even a nosebleed. <laughs> I mean, it's just awful. Everyone scores on Texas. Um, I'm taking Baylor plus the points there. I think Texas wins this game. I really do. But they got a lot of problems. And I think Baylor can do just enough to keep it within eight and a half. Is Texas beating anybody this year by more than a touchdown? Look how much they gave up to Texas Tech. Yeah. Um, I think Baylor covers, but I like Texas ultimately to win this game. Yeah, I think you're looking at like 49-40 or something. I mean, it could be something ridiculous like that. Yeah. In that case, uh, Texas That would be a Texas cover, cover there, but uh, it could be ridiculous. All right. Let's move on to the NFL. Steelers taking on the Titans. Both teams are undefeated. Titans are an eight and a, or a uh, one and a half point favorite in this game. Bo, the first question I have for you on this matchup: Are you buying either one of these teams at a five and zero record? Are they legit, or are you selling them right now? I'm buying them both. Okay, I like these two teams. I think four of the five best teams in the NFL are in the AFC: the Steelers, the Titans, the Ravens, the Chiefs. Okay, I think the Packers are the fifth best team. Those five, whatever order you want to put them in, I would rank the Chiefs first. The rest of the five, you can draw them out of a hat if you'd like. I'm buying both of them. I'm buying both of them for the same reason. What did I say about a team earlier? They run the football. They play defense. The Titans have decided as a, as what they're doing is, is a whole program. They're going to run the football. They're going to have some play-action passing. And they're going to play defense. I didn't see a whole lot of defense against Houston last week. Well, that's, that was, that's true. Well, what I like here about the, about the Titans is 
The Steelers have not played an offense that has the rushing attack this team has. Um, the Steelers, this will be the best team the Steelers have played against all season long. Um, if the Steelers are for real, we're going to know this week. Now, I do think they're for real. I think this game is really, really close. One and a half, it's about right. I, I think that in the end, I like the idea that Derrick Henry can get you some points and he can do something at the end of the game, help you run down the clock. And Ryan Tannehill is not turning the ball over. He is not the quarterback who can go out and win games. Right. He's not going to be Patrick Mahomes out there. But they don't, the Titans don't need that. The Titans don't want, they don't want a quarterback that does that. They want to play defense, run the football, hit you with a couple of play action passes a game. I'm going to take the Titans just edging this game out. It's every bit of one and a half. This is a field goal game tops. This could go either way. I do like the Steelers a lot. You ask which team I'm buying, I'm buying both of them. I think they're both going to be there at the end of the season as well. So your pick is? The Titans minus the one and a half. Just okay. barely. I like the home field for the Titans more than anything. Um, the Steelers, I think, have the best defense in the National Football League. They did lose Devin Bush. Looks like he's going to be out uh for the season, I believe. They're uh, one of their starting linebackers. But you still have T.J. Watt. You still have Mika Fitzpatrick. Just so many weapons on that defense. Big Ben is playing good again. Uh, I think Big Ben's one of the most underrated quarterbacks of all time. He's your uh, guy. You like Ben. I do you like Big you Ben. You told me how much you like Big Ben. I do like Big Ben. And, and he's off to a good start to this year. Claypool's been a lot of fun to see as a rookie. Um, they have found the weapon there to go along with Juju and James Washington and those guys there. I don't think the Titans are quite ready for this defense they're about to see from Pittsburgh. I th think that they can slow down Henry to an extent, force Tannehill to throw the football. I like the Steelers on the road. I think it's a close game. I'm with you. I'm buying both these teams to make a deep playoff run, but I like the Steelers a little bit more than I do Tennessee right now. So I'll go with Pittsburgh there. Seattle taking on Arizona. The Cardinals are a Two and a, or a three-and-a-half-point underdog this game in Arizona. Big-time win for the Cardinals on Monday Night Football against Dallas this past week. Seattle, the offense has been terrific. Russell Wilson, we mentioned it earlier with Omar, he's the MVP favorite right now. He has been unreal. DK Metcalf has looked awesome at that receiver spot to go along with uh, Tyler Lockett and those guys there. Um, is Seattle going to ultimately be too much for Arizona here with uh, Seattle favored at three and a half? I think so. And I think the narrative that Seattle is that they can't play defense, that they're, that Russell Wilson's winning the games for them late, is kind of half true. Um, four Seattle wins, they've won by five, seven, eight, and 13, which tells me that they're not that close. I mean, the teams are having to score late to get back into a game against them. Um, I like the Seahawks here. I'm not dismissing the Cardinals. I'm kind of half dismissing the Cardinals' win Monday night because that Dallas Cowboys team is bad. Yeah. I mean, they're really bad. Um, Kyler Murray only completed like eight passes. I mean, yeah. I mean, and they it, still lit it up offensively. Yeah, but I, I like Seattle. I expect a big game from Russell Wilson here. I do think the Cardinals are going to score some points. I think this game is within the, you know, the five or six points, within a touchdown. Um, I like Russell Wilson in the second half. Kyler Murray's not quite ready to ascend to that level yet, although I like a lot of what I've seen from him, his athletic ability. And I think I've seen some good decision-making from him, too. I have been very impressed with Kyler Murray. Um, and then 
Wilson, I think is fantastic. The Seahawks defense is going to have to get a little better if they want to ascend to being a championship-level team. But Russell Wilson has been the MVP thus far. I think he has a big game and continues that talk. All right. I'm going to go with uh, Seattle here. I like what Arizona's doing, but Seattle's going to ultimately be too much, I think. Too much horses for Arizona to hang with. Um, I like uh, Seattle to take care of business at three and a half. Rams taking on the Bears. The Rams are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. The Bears are off to a much better start than I think most of us expected. Uh, meanwhile, the Rams, 4-2, uh, and two, disappointing last week against the Niners. Uh, Rams at five-and-a-half at home. Bo, I got to go with the Rams here. I think they bounced back from last week. Better offense than Chicago presents. Uh, Aaron Donald could give Nick Foles a long day. I got to go with the Rams. I think they win this game by a touchdown. What okay. say you? So I'm sitting in for Thomas a little bit here. And, you know, Thomas has the Rams. as Thomas's team. And I like the Rams here a lot. I like the Rams this season. I think they're going to be much better. But what I don't like the last couple of weeks, the trend I don't like with the Rams, is their offense is not scoring points. They're relying on that really good defense. I think the Rams win this game. Bears have won four of the last five. The one time I've picked the Bears in this pick them this season, they lost. They lost. <laughs> but I'm going to get back on that narcotic. I'm going to take the Bears plus the points. That's a dangerous drug. Yes. And the Rams, just the Rams offense is struggling. I think the Rams win this game, but it's two, three, four points. 24-21, 27-24, something like that. Enough that the Bears will win. Will be good with the five and a half. Okay, so you're going with the Bears there at a five and a half. Yeah. The uh, Bucks taking on the Raiders. It is the return of John Gruden to uh, face the Raiders this time, uh, or face uh, the Buccaneers rather. This game in Vegas though. He's not going back to Tampa just yet. Tampa a three point favorite. Bucks, uh, that three-point margin. We've seen the Raiders step up in big games this year. The Saints, the Chiefs. Do the Raiders do it again? Can I read my notes here? Yeah. Raiders give up a shitload of points. <laughs> 30.4 points per game. <laughs> 30 points in the NFL. That's an average. Now, I'm a John Gruden guy. I love... Tell you something, man. I love me some John Gruden. Man. You love me some yeah, spider I can through even, wide banana. I spider through wide banana. It's my favorite play call as a coach. Uh, love it. Uh, shout out to my homeboy Alex Tharp on that one. Uh, <laughs> so, um, hey, the, the Raiders have given up 30 points in every game except the first home game against the Saints. It was 24 in that game. Trent Brown is out. Coach. They've got the, the rest of the team's been pulled out of practice this week. We don't know what their status is yet from contact contact tracing. I think that the offensive line is by far the reason the Raiders' offense is doing well. They have a monster offensive line. It might be the best in the league. And Trent Brown is a huge part of that. Not having him is going to hurt that offense. I like Tampa minus the three. I have not been on that train yet. I'm going to jump on that train this time. I'm going to go with uh, Tampa here as well. We'll make TJ happy uh, with this bet. Um, I think they turn a corner. I think last week was a statement win against the the Packers that they ar have arrived and that they're here to stay. Gronk played great last week, yeah. and they've been waiting for that from him. Um, I think the Raiders, eventually that, that luck's got to run out. You can't all of a sudden beat the Saints, Chiefs, and Bucks. 
I don't see them going three for three there. I'll go with the uh, the Bucks to pull this off as a three-point favorite. Last co- last NFL game here. The 49ers take it on the Patriots. New England, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. 49ers had a nice bounce-back win last week against the Rams. Patriots, meanwhile, they get Cam Newton back. They only scored 12 points against Denver. Is it a must-win game for both these teams? Yes, it is. It is, both of them. Um, I just think a couple of my notes here is these are two teams going in a similar direction. The 49ers did have a big win last week. And they're healthier now. They're healthier, but they're still just plagued with injuries. And now most starts hurt again. So they're gonna, the, the, I like the Patriots, but this is going to all be one person. This is all going to depend on one player for the Patriots, and that is how does Cam Newton play. Cam Newton is not going to play like he did last week. I think they're going to see a week back, Cam's back, and then a week after that Belichick's last week. not going to let that fly. No, he's not going to let what happened last week happen again. Um, but these are this is a must-win game for both these two teams if they want to have any chance in their division. Now, I think the 49ers are way back in their division. Uh, they've got too many teams they're going to have to pass. The Patriots only have to get close to the Bills. And you still they still have to play each other twice, right? So that you can make that back up, but the Patriots need a win, and they need one bad. I think they get it this week. I'm going to go with the Niners here. I don't feel confident at all in picking the Niners, but you got Garoppolo back, and he played well last week. Kittle, those guys are there. I think ultimately they're too much for New England, even with New England at home. I got to go with the Niners. One last thing I'll make about that: I think that Kittle is one of the best players in the league. Yeah, but what do the Patriots do defensively? They take away your best they, option. Exactly, they go. They are going to find a way to take away your best option. The 49ers are going to be dependent on Kittle, and the Patriots are going to figure out a way to take him out. Take that they're going to take him out of the offense for a week. If they do that, the Patriots can win. But I do expect that they're going to have to have a big game from Cam Newton. Yeah, uh, that is for sure. So there you have it. Those are our picks this week. For the O'Connor Advisory Group, Pigskin Pick'em. You can follow along all season long our picks as uh, we uh, pick five NFL games and five college games each week. Thomas Bridges, uh, he's behind me at 30-27-3. T.J. Reeves uh, way back there at 24-33-3. So we'll uh, see what happens this week. And uh, before we wrap up this uh, segment, reminder, Bo, we're going to – People reach out to you at O'Connor Advisory Group. Hey, you check us out on Facebook at O'Connor Advisory Group, or you can give us a call, 785-856-0720. We can do appointments in person, on the phone. We can do Zoom appointments. You know, if you're still inside, you still or you don't want to get away, or you're too far away right now, we can do it. We can get you taken care of, get you taken care of, and we can spend some time with you. And I've memorized the number, 856-0720. I'm not reading off a napkin or anything. Uh, <laughs> there you have it. That's our O'Connor Advisory Group picks get pick them for this week. Our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up here in uh, just a moment. But, uh, Bo, you and I just got through watching the end of Game 2 of the World Series. What are you thinking about uh, this one? Tied up 1-1 now? Yeah, I, I picked the Dodgers in seven. Um, but I just sit here watching the end and, um, you know, two-run game and Taylor's up. And I'm like, just get the Mookie. Just get the Mookie. Uh, Mookie Mookie's my guy. And I just, as a Red Sox fan, I really – I'm so mad they still that they traded Mookie Betts. I don't understand. Because they don't want to pay the luxury tax. They don't want a luxury tax. They don't want to pay David Price. I mean, just give the man the money. When have the Red Sox not spent money, too? That's I, what I, I don't understand. It's crazy. And 
there's a rumor I heard that the Red Sox, the people who own the Red Sox, are thinking about taking the Red Sox public. Okay. And that that was part of the idea of, well, we can't have this luxury tax because if we go public with the, with a baseball team, we can't have much debt in the team. Yeah. But he's Mookie Betts. Right. I mean, there are two players better than everybody in Major League Baseball right now. Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. And there's nobody in their category. Nobody. Yeah. Not Pete Alonso, not 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 Acuna, not Nolan Arenado. I mean, you consider and name all the best players in baseball. There's a number of them right now. We are spoiled baseball-wise on great players. But Mookie Betts and Mike Trout are the two best players. So here's a here's a question for you. Um the Rays, uh, you know, type type the series one one. They very well could win this thing. If the Dodgers lose again, do we start to talk about them in Buffalo Bills territory? Um, is, are we close to that yet? You might. You know, I think that the Buffalo Bills thing is a lot of luck. You know, a lot of bad luck. Yeah, yeah. yeah, bad luck. You know, you had the wide right. You know, uh, they run into that great Cowboys team twice. The couple, the first couple times the Dodgers got into the World Series, they probably weren't ready. This team should win. Now the Rays are set up to be are incredible. Uh, people don't give them any credit. Um, this is actually my preseason pick for the World Series, by the way. I did pick the Rays, yeah, the Rays and, and Dodgers. the Dodgers. Nice, um, because the Rays just run their team completely different than everybody else. They know what they're doing, and their brain trust is incredible. The Dodgers have... They didn't mind not having fans this year. They didn't mind at all. <laughs> and they don't mind it every other year, apparently. Uh, the Dodgers, 1-25, to 25, are the most talented team in baseball. Yeah. And this is the last year they're going to have some of those guys because they'll be over the luxury tax next year, and they've got four or five guys going into free agency. So that'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, uh, I think so. And uh, we'll see what happens. I, I li- I'm with you. I like the Dodgers to... Ultimately, pull off this series. Uh, Mookie and company just too much uh, for the Rays, but uh, it, it would be quite the story, I think. I always cheer. I'm when I don't have a dog in the fight. I always cheer for the better story, which is usually in the losers' locker room. I think the better story would be if the Dodgers lose again, and then you're like, well, what do we do from here? Does Dave Roberts stay around? What goes on next? Yeah, I think the 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 best story I think would be if the Rays won. That yeah. it's almost like Moneyball, right? It's like Moneyball, but the team would won the game, would won it at the end of the book. And the Moneyball team has never won it yet without spending. Yes, and but the Red the, Sox uh, had a similar system, but they were still spending cash. Yeah, and they still had Big Poppy and 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 uh, pay, uh, Dustin Pedroia, and they had the great pitching staff in those times too. Um, but the other big story of this, which you're seeing if you get on social media, if you look at Twitter and Instagram and everything, is that. People are rooting for the Dodgers that are American League fans. You know, they're the Yankees fans or whomever. They're rooting for the Dodgers because they want the Red Sox to take it, take it in the tail because of giving up Mookie Betts. Yeah, I mean, he is just that special. As a Red Sox fan, he's the best player the Red Sox have had since Ted Williams. Man, you could argue Carl Yastrzemski. I might argue with you on that, but I mean, he is the best player that franchise has had, and that's seventy years. Long time. If you're a Royals fan, you wouldn't have traded George Brett in the middle of his prime. <laughs> That's what the Boston Red Sox did. <laughs> and we as Red Sox fans should never forgive them for doing that. Right? Yeah. Thanks uh, to the uh, Henry family. Really yeah. appreciate that. Appreciate you guys. Yes.
Uh, last thing before we get out of here. We always do this uh, at the end of the show. Uh, it's the Tom Fullery Story of the Week, named after our friend Thomas Bridges. Tom's off this week, and so uh, – Bo will do the duties, Coach Bo, of, of giving, uh, giving us the uh, bit of ridiculous that we need to uh, end each show. So I'll hand the floor to you. Where are we going this time? Okay, so we're going to be a little bit local here. This is Topeka, Kansas. You're from Topeka. I'm not from Topeka. I happen <laughs> to live in Topeka and went to high school in Topeka for a couple Most years. Most people say where they went to high school is where they're from. Yeah, I'm from Louisiana. Um, <laughs> all right, so, I wouldn't claim Topeka either. It's yeah, okay. so here we go. Topeka, Kansas. This is from KSNT. Shawnee County deputies took a naked ranch-covered teen into custody after they said he damaged a North Topeka business and crashed a car. I think he was naked in this case. Naked is a good idea. Naked. naked. Nothing bad happens when you're naked. Yeah. Shawnee County Sheriff's Office responded to a disturbance call around 3.30 a.m. Saturday at the Petro Deli. That tells you what you need to know as well. A place called the Petro Deli. Nothing good happened. Hey, I'm telling you, if you're from Topeka, you know it's about the Petro Deli. When deputies got there, they found a naked 17-year-old man who they said was under the influence of a substance. I'll let you choose. Plenty of them in Topeka. The teenager had covered himself in ranch dressing, damaged property inside the business, and then ran, ran outside and drove off. No injuries were reported. The Shawnee County Sheriff's Office said it investigate investigating disturbance further at this time. Now, I have a couple of theories here, Tyler. All right. First all one here. is 17-year-old man, he's from Topeka. You know, he's probably worried. If he's from Topeka, he's probably worried about COVID. <laughs> we know ranch dressing will save you from COVID. That's that's right. You know, just ask anybody. That's what you drown it in. Um, you know, or maybe he was just looking for a hot date and said, yeah, I'm so sexy that you can eat me with ranch dressing. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is there's some, there's some, there's some things that we got to know here. We got a ranch-covered young man under the influence of a substance. I love that part. Under the influence of a substance. Name the substance. Come on, help us out. Right. And then at a place called the Petro Deli. Come on, now. The Petro Deli. Now, I, I, I happen to know the Petro. That's an institution in Topeka. It's up in North Topeka up on Highway 24, you know, or okay. about Highway 75 up there north. You know, good food there. You get a little you get chicken fingers while you're in there real quick. It's gas. Yeah. Hearing that this happened at the Petro Deli in Topeka, this does not surprise me whatsoever. <laughs> this is the Topeka version of Florida Man right here. We Gotta could probably it. do segments every week called Topeka Man. You probably could get away it, maybe a couple times a month, you know, but, yeah, I love it. Um, Topeka, 17-year-old, so they couldn't put his name in there either. That would have been great to have heard his name. Right. You know, it would have been like Jim Bob, you know, <laughs> something like that. We got to have – it would have been one of those na- hyphenated kind of names too. Billy Ray. Billy. Oh, Billy Ray. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing we need to know here. So, if you happen to know that seventeen-year-old man, you can send me an email at coachbo at my dot com, and I would love to know a little more about this. <laughs> what do you think the substance was? Any guesses? My guess is methamphetamine. Okay, <laughs> that's mine. Man, and uh, and going to the deli. Uh, Go to the Petro Deli. Get you some chicken fingers while you're there. I mean, that's what the ranch is for. For the uh, chicken that's fingers. That's gotta be. He was waiting for his chicken fingers. Got upset, dropped some ranch on himself, and, and ran around. I, maybe he lost his clothes. I don't know what happened with the clothes. That's the part I'm trying to help him explain. If I'm the defense attorney here, 
I'm trying to say, Your Honor, my young, the young man was just trying to get some chicken fingers. That's all. And it was a horrible accident from there. <laughs> I mean, listen, listen, uh, Judge. Uh, you know, he was naked. I get that. But, you know, he, he had a love for ranch. Your, it was undeniable. Your Honor, even if you're naked, you still can be hungry. Right. <laughs> Please. Can, he was just hungry. He, he just wanted just, some food. He just wanted some chicken fingers. And he didn't want to go into McDonald's. They might have been children. Fun fact. Um, it is not illegal in the state of Kansas to be naked. But apparently it is to be naked and covered in ranch. On methamphetamines. Yeah. For an underage for, person. Uh, for an underage person. So, yeah. um, there was a case a couple of years ago in Lawrence, actually, where a guy was walking around town naked in front of schools. I remember that. Yeah. Years they ago. had to write up a Sydney or city ordinance just to uh, get the guy to stop. But it's still statewide, not a law against being naked anywhere. <laughs> naked in ranch. That's like a Twitter handle right there. Naked in ranch. <laughs> I'm going to check that out. Right? At Naked that, in that Ranch. That sounds like a great alias. It does. That's going to be my next fake account. That's going to be your That's going to be your, that's gonna be your burner? Yes. Naked. At, at Naked in Ranch. Naked in Ranch. Not naked. 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 Two cakes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we got to run. Uh, big thanks to Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network for joining us. And uh, check out his great work. He's going to be at the Bucks raiders game this weekend. And as always, you can subscribe to the Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Leave us a five-star review, or don't leave us one at all. New episodes each and every Monday and Thursday. We do this jam-packed big show on Thursdays, and then that 45 minutes to an hour show on Mondays. And uh, so you definitely want to check that out, and uh, we appreciate you all listening. And uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Uh and uh, Instagram there as well. Jones underscore report on Instagram. Tyler Jones Media Group on uh, Twitter and Facebook is where you can find us there. Bo, where can people find you and reach out to you, man? Okay, on Twitter, I'm at Coach Bo. Uh, let's see. Let's get you up from seven followers. Yeah, you know, it's it's new, man. I had a burner for four. I got I got a real <laughs> one now. So, uh, at Coach Bo on Twitter. Not Neck and Ranch. Not, na- not at Neck and Ranch. I'm going to get to go get that now, though. Um, at Coach Bo on Twitter, you can check us out. Uh, O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook. Website's coming soon. And uh, man, thanks for having me tonight. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. And uh, we got our game Friday night. Yes, uh, Lawrence Sign Free State, the City Showdown. We'll uh, have that on a UClick TV. You can uh, download the app on uh, Roku and Amazon and uh, Apple, and also on a uh, UClickTV.com. We'll be live at seven o'clock. Should be a lot of fun for that game. And uh, we've had a lot of fun all season long. This is our last regular season game before we get to the playoffs. Yeah, I'll try not to cuss this week. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that on this program anytime. <laughs> but not not on UClick, though. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll try not to do that with advertisers, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, hey, uh, thank you for having me, Jonesy. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. Fun. That does it for uh, the Jones Report this week. See you back here on Monday. So long, everybody.